0: is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew
1: Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, a big Friday edition, double game days, home for the Bombers against the BC Lions and the Jets, the guests of honor as Mullet Arena packed to those rafters. With 5,000 people, will host a National Hockey League game tonight, the Arizona Coyotes and Winnipeg Jets. Jets with a a larcenous <clears throat> stealing of two points last night in L.A., which we're going to get to as well. It uh, should be a real fun show, though. Ed Tate from BlueBombers.com is going to jump on with us in about 20 minutes. We'll get Eddie to set up tonight's regular season finale. Most of the starters in for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and, of course, the return to game action of Nathan Rourke of the British Columbia Lions. And then, Weeb's World himself, Kenny Weeb's going to jump on with us from Tempe, Arizona. Ken's been taking some pictures. Check out his Instagram. We'll pop some of those up with you uh, here on our YouTube channel. And we'll uh, talk about last night's game a little bit and then look ahead to the rest of this road trip, including tonight's home opener for the Yotes. And then a Sunday night game in Vegas to take on the Golden Knights. And hey, big, big NFL weekend coming up. Tom Brady took an L last night again. We'll break that all down with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Take a look at the biggest stories heading into the weekend in the National Football League. And first, of course, folks, you know it's Friday, and that means there will be marbles. We'll drop them at the end of the program. So make sure you're a subscribed to their YouTube channel. Hit that red button. Give us a thumbs up as well, please. And uh, stick around for your chance to win with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, welcome to everyone. Shout out to podcast listeners uh, getting us on your way home or maybe before the game tonight. And a huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Princess Auto, Cool Bet, Not Auto Corp, Canadian Club Whiskey, Culligan Water, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, F Apparel, and of course our friends over at Boston Pizza. Let's get cracking, everyone. Welcome to the gang and chat for a Friday afternoon, and welcome Michael Remus. Remo, what's up? How are you? I'm feeling good. I was pumped about
2: that big win last <laughs> night. What a game that was. If you're going to stay up late, hopefully you watched the whole thing and didn't... Uh... I then mean, any big game. predictions after the first. Yeah, what a game. <laughs> great performance, uh, at least, in terms of they're scoring more goals than the other team. They performed great in that aspect, but staying out of the box early, uh, you know, outshooting your opponent. Um, thankfully,
1: they got Connor Hellebuck in net. This guy is uh, incredible. Well, I don't know who it was that uh, fired us the, the tweet this morning, but uh, Vesna season already? Yeah. Um connor hellebuck listen uh, let me just say one thing we talk a lot about the jets and we talk about you know the players on this team and who are the top players connor hellebuck is the best player on this team there's a gap and then there's everybody else and he is playing at a level right now where um you can even have a game last night where you are outclassed in every single aspect of the game and he's going to keep you in it and um On the other side of it, and I don't know if there's any other way to say this, Jonathan Quick put forward one of the worst goaltending performances we've seen from a National Hockey League goaltender in a long time. I believe the analytic numbers, the goals saved above expected, was like minus close to three and a half for Quick yesterday. And even if you look at the position, I know you did a great job of firing out the the winning goal by Axel, along with Paul Edmonds, great call from 680 CGOB last night. I mean, when you look at how the puck went in and where quick was, you just wonder, like, does he even know where the net is last night? Listen, I'm not complaining. I mean, certainly from a Jets fan standpoint, it's nice to get those two points. But I will say, Remo, it was pretty disappointing to see the way the team came out last night. We had a lot of fun for a couple days coming out of that. St. Louis win earlier in the week, talking about how, you know, they performed the way they did for the full 60 minutes. That is the blueprint. Uh, No such blueprint last night. However, the same result in the standings, two big points on the road heading into Arizona tonight. Yeah. I'm looking at the five on five shot attempts. So this doesn't include,
2: (laughs) okay. This doesn't include the penalties the jets took in the first period shot attempts. For the Kings in the first period, 24. The Jets, four. <laughs> and that's that's only 11 minutes because the Jets took so many, they took like four penalties in the first period. So, and God, you know, God, were in their own end. The whole, the whole time I watched in the first period, like have they even had offensive zone time on attack here? And it was very little. However, however, after the first period, Score was three two, so they were still in the game, you know, even though they were horribly outplayed. But it wasn't much better. Has in the second and the third, they got outshot a five on five, twenty to eight, in the second, and in the third it was twenty to thirteen. But as you said, when your goalie is way better than the other goalie, and you do have some finishers on your team, um David Gustafson, a couple had a couple really nice passes. Although Dylan Demello should have had one in the first. Could have had. It could have been tied. Oh. Oh, if you
1: like, think about that, yeah. Dylan DeMello missed an absolutely. I mean, you will never have a more wide open net than DeMello had missed on that one. And that would have made it a three, three game at the end of the first period. I mean, the jets were incredibly fortunate to only be down one goal, as we heard from Scott Arneal after the game. And it is kind of humorous almost that that maybe the best chance of the entire night did not go in the net for the Winnipeg jets. But I mean, as you continue through these numbers, Remo, I mean, that's the way that it started. And it did not really finish any differently. I mean, the, the final shots in the game, shots on goal in the game, was 44 for the LA Kings and 19 for the Winnipeg Jets. Jonathan Quick gives up five goals off of 18 shots. Blake Wheeler had that empty netter. And, um, and I got to tell you, uh, as bad as the start was, maybe what had me pulling my hair out was you know the Jets get the benefit of an absolutely stupid penalty I believe to Brendan Lemieux late in the game and the Kings pulled their goalie and were it was almost like a power play for the LA Kings I mean I don't know the puck management wasn't very good last night there was a whole so many things that didn't go the way that you would like them to go for for the Winnipeg Jets and yet By, uh, by the grace of God and Connor Hellebuck, the Winnipeg Jets somehow managed to steal one. And I know we're going to hear from Arnie, uh, Arnie in a second, uh, but, um, he said that, you know, those are the tapes that go straight into the garbage. Um, listen, if they play like that tonight against the Arizona coyotes, they'll get run out of the barn because they basically did last night against the LA Kings. And as I said, I know who was it a former coach said, uh, you don't critique the critique the wins. Um, That being said, in all honesty, that was about as far from the performance we saw from the team on Monday. Somewhat incredibly, we're talking about a win. I guess we'll take it. But I I hope to see a team that's almost playing guilty tonight um, against the Arizona Coyotes because they need to be a hell of a lot better. Um, and I'll tell you what—if they can be better and they get that two points, no one will remember how they did it. They'll move on to Arizona with two, or move on to Vegas with a couple wins under their belts, and put themselves in a really good position for this first ten-game segment we've talked about. With uh, you know tonight notwithstanding, with some really really tough teams on the schedule.
2: Yeah, I hope they get the win tonight so they can party in Vegas uh, on Saturday night Halloween weekend. And <laughs> oh my god, ha- have a scheduled loss um, Sunday. So if you win tonight, I, I think. We all forgive them showing up with the the Vegas flu Sunday. Not quite. It is Sunday afternoon. Actually, it's five. What is it? Five o'clock here. So three, three there. I think it's seven o'clock here. Oh, is it? Um, I could be could be wrong. Okay. Anyways, I'll give a couple of shout outs here. I'll give a shout out to Adam Lowry for scoring shorthanded. He seems to do that same move every time. I'm pretty close to putting together a mixtape of him (laughs) with the little tuck. How come between that's the Lowry
1: right there? Backhand through the pads. He's trying to, how about the Gus bus with the setup? I mean, Gustafson had, I'll I'll say that one thing, I mean, as ugly as the game was, and I mean, you look at some of the numbers, especially the second line. I mean, Dubois, Perfetti and Wheeler were absolutely caved in. I mean, essentially from start to finish of the game, there was some really nice things that we saw from the bottom six and I mean, the play that David Gustafson made on that shorthanded goal to Adam Lowry late in the first period to get them to three, two, I thought was the most important play of the entire game. And then our guy, Axel Ephraim, uh, you know, we played the song earlier. He got the winner and, um, you know, it was about time. We talked a lot about what he's done so far. He's been impactful when he's been on, he's been come as advertised very fast, great four checker, but he's also had a few scoring chances and, You know, he gets that deflection in past a very ill position. Jonathan Quick finally gets rewarded. He gets the jacket. And the only other guy that was jacket worthy last night was, of course, Connor Hellebuck, who uh, they should just basically have one of the jackets for Helly for every win. And then the other one, the other one gets passed out amongst the team, whoever has the great game.
2: Yeah, do a couple more. Yeah, David Gustafson, the Gus bus. He's revved up last night, two points, uh, looking strong. And that fourth line in their wins, they've definitely contributed with Sam Gagne, uh, what, poppin' one before with work of Gustafsson behind the net. Uh, Menelainen did have that nice setup to DeMello, which should have been a goal, but uh, went, went a couple couple of feet wide. As Happy Gilmore once said, is that goal regulation size or what? Come on. Uh, a couple other. Ooh, Morgan Barron, he had, he had two points, one of them on the empty netter. And yeah, I'd said earlier this week, I mean, it looks like Axel's close to a goal. Now, it wasn't like a sniper's. Goal or, or anything, but uh, Dylan takes a point shot. It hits him and trickles past quick. So those guys were working hard, rewarded for a goal. And only like uh, six players on the team didn't get a point. Menaline and Appleton, Gagne, Perfetti, Pionk, Sandberg. So everyone uh, p- getting in on the score sheet there. So when it looked like, you know, that they hadn't even shown up and were going to get blown out of the building, as the Jets tweeted out. Guys, <laughs> This, this was is the best. Jets. You know, we had joked yesterday about the CTV prediction desk on the election uh, saying Glenn Murray was going to be mayor, but even the Jets were throwing shade at them on Twitter. Certain folks watched the first period and declared a king's victory and posted Jets win. And I point this out. I didn't point this out because their broadcast partner and CTV are the same parent company And here are the Jets social media taking the easy shot of the day. Well done. Well done, Jets.
1: It's a lot easier for us to throw barbs at that company than someone that's in bed with them. So huge, huge kudos. (laughs) MVP performance by Jets social media last night, being able to have a little bit of fun with that and... Um, listen, I wouldn't blame a lot of people if they declared a King's victory. That was a lot more appropriate to declare that than what we heard declared the night before. Um yes. it really did seem like <laughs> I, no, absolutely it was. So uh <laughs> listen, I, I've been laughing about that uh ever since it came out last night. And I know a lot of people had some fun with it on social media. Um But overall, uh, a performance that I don't think they are too proud of, but they'll definitely take. And we're going to be all over tonight's game against the Arizona Coyotes with Kenny Wee. But we're going to hook up with Ed Tate in a few minutes. Uh, But when we do come back, and maybe before Ken, we'll hear some post-game comments from Nate Schmidt, as well as acting head coach Scott Arneal on the Jets' 6-4 win in L.A. last night. Again, quick turnaround as the team gets ready for the Arizona Coyotes. And uh, as I said, Ken's got some pictures on his Instagram. We'll be showing you those in a few minutes. And we'll look forward to seeing uh, what the mullet arena looks like. And obviously lots of intrigue as to what the dressing room looks like. And I can't wait. I, if For no other reason, I hope the Jets win tonight so we get a nice video inside that makeshift dressing room, which looked like the setup for a trade show floor. Uh, and they can give out. They can give out That's the good. jackets. They can give out the jackets after the game. Um, but of course, they got to win. If they, they're going to need to play a hell of a lot better uh, tonight. And of course, I, we do expect Big Save Dave to be in uh, in the net, who had that really rough start in Vegas in the first period. But he and the team battled back quite well in the second and third. Uh, but you can't have a start like Vegas, and you sure as hell can't have a start like L.A. last night, even against a team like the Arizona Coyotes. So Ken Weeb coming up a little bit later on. All right, before we talk bombers, uh, do you have to give a shout out to our friends over at Consolidated Supply spicy joe and the gang of uh, great supporters and listeners of winnipeg sports Talk, and it's so much fun to have them on board i mean they have been the experts for irrigation golf golf cars for a long time in the city um you know whether you're working on landscaping a property or a business um they are the first choice for irrigation whether it's lawn and garden to golf they do have it all they also do have artificial turf. If you've been thinking about maybe, you know, putting to that dream putting green in the backyard or somewhere else on the property, Joe can certainly help you up with that. But in addition, they're also your first choice for spas, outdoor kitchens, high-end barbecues and more. And one thing that I really didn't know until I headed down there to that 1395 Niagara Road East is they're also an incredible dealer of small engine parts. So Consolidated Supply has a lot of things that they can do for you. What you do need to do is check them out online at cte.ca for more. Or pop down and see Spicy and the guys. As I said, thirteen ninety-five Niagara Road East, and online at cte.ca. Uh, Vita Health Fresh Market has great prices on natural, organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too. And with the kids back in school and people getting sick. They are stocked up on great immunity products like vitamin C and D, and always have great school-friendly snacks and lunch items for the kiddos. And for those of you that are on the run, they've got great, delicious lunch options as well—healthy and ready to go. Vita Market salad, soup, sandwiches at more in the grab-and-go deli at all seven Winnipeg locations. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven locations in the city, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And you can check them out online as well at their new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. Um, our friends at Wallace and Wallace got to remind you: don't forget your garage door as you're working through your home winterization list. Uh, important to give it a nice uh, high pressure, quick pressure wash or hose down with mild soap or detergent. Will not only brighten up the curb appeal but will protect the life of your door you also want to make sure you lubricate your uh, rollers and hinges with a high quality lithium or silicone base grease uh, but if you want to let leave it to the experts, give Wallace & Wallace a call and take advantage of their winter maintenance program. It's their version of a medical checkup for your door. Their technicians will poke and prod their way through a 21-point checklist, making sure your garage door is ready for the winter ahead. To book your service call, go to wallacedoors.com or give them a call at 452 452- 252 2,700. All right, Kenny Weeb coming up a little bit later on. He's boots on the ground in Tempe, Arizona, getting ready for this Jets game against the Coyotes tonight at Mullet Arena. Meanwhile, tonight on the south side of the city, IG Field will be rocking one more time for the regular season as the Bombers take on the British Columbia Lions. And to get ready for tonight's tilt, we welcome in our good friend Eddie Tate of BlueBombers.com from IGF. Ed, what's up? How are you?
0: I'm fantastic. How's, how are you,
1: man? Oh, I'm well. I'm well. Does this uh, Jets-Coyotes uh, game tonight bring you memories of the uh, the hockey beat and uh, past lives of yours? You know,
0: I still follow the team uh, quite closely. I'm more fascinated in the same shots that you guys are of this <laughs> rink in, in wherever it is. It's... Uh, I mean, did they just figure out a couple of days ago that there will be visiting teams coming in? It's like they were scrambling to find some place for them to change. It's almost like they wanted them to share the dressing room with the coyotes, you know, and have a we have a case of beer in the middle of the, of the room afterwards. It's crazy. I, I don't know. I'm kind of strangely fascinated because uh, I'm just blown away as to why – This would be acceptable. Let's put it that way. And I'm trying to be kind to the NHL. I just don't understand how this could happen.
1: Well, I mean, the NHL is one thing. I'm surprised the PA was down with all of it. And the fact, I mean, the amount of revenue seemingly lost by having a capacity above about 25 or 30% of a normal rink is, um, is another question. I mean, we are having fun with the the picks that have come out. I know that was very early as they set it up. I'm sure it'll look different tonight when the team actually plays. And it is just temporary for four games. But the Jets are the ones that get to give it the first test drive. And uh well, considering the way they played last night, stealing that win in LA, maybe maybe it's a good environment for them to remember that uh there's need to be a lot more hard work to win a game than what they did leaning on Hellebuck the way they did last night and uh the incompetence of one Jonathan Quick. That being said, we won't complain about the two points. Um, the wins have been consistent for the bombers all season long. Um, and this is kind of what we expected, Ed. A game that is technically meaningless in the standings, but in some ways important for many players to get some game reps, get some action against a team that may very well be back here in a couple of weeks in the West final. Uh, we'll talk about BC in a second, but fill us in on practice this week, if you could, and how Mike O'Shea is handling his roster and his important veteran players in this final game of the regular season, knowing that what really matters is the 13th of November.
0: Yeah, It's interesting that, you know, we've said all week and brought it up in interviews that this is a nothing game, doesn't mean anything in the standings. And then you look at the depth chart, and uh, there's a lot of guys playing that uh, are going to be starting in the Western final. And uh, I just think this team wants to be sharp for November 13th. And you can't be uh, kind of idle for this long and not game, get game reps without uh, putting some significance on tonight's game. And so practice has been pretty intense. You know, we started the week off with the news that Greg Allingson and Drew Walitarski would be back. That's big news. But, uh, you know, like Stanley Bryant, Jamarcus Hardrick, Pat Neufeld didn't play in the game in Vancouver a couple of weeks ago. They're back. Um, Jackson Jeffcoat is back from injury. So this is this is going to look the, the lineup that takes the field for the first quarter tonight is going to look an awful lot like the one that takes the field in the first quarter of the Western final on November 13th. What about the third quarter or the second yeah. quarter? Um, I, re-
1: remind me, I mean, this was a very similar situation last year where the Bombers knew it was actually a little different because they finished with a bye and then had the buy, So they knew there was going to be two weeks. The buy for the Bombers came last week. Um, but if I recall correctly, they started, they gave the guys a few reps, a few series, but yep. then the backups were in and a number of guys got the yank.
0: That's right. So in the regular season finale last year in Calgary, Zach Claro started and played about the first quarter before Drew Brown came along and the Bombers were winning that game until they emptied their defensive bench late in the game. And Calgary had this, uh, this rally that, you know, it cost the Bombers a win, but in the grand scheme of things, it didn't mean anything. I expect to see a lot of the same thing tonight. Like there's seven offensive linemen dressed, uh, Liam Dobson and, and Tamoya Machino will probably get into the game. They'll pull a couple of their starters out from up front. You know, there's three extra D linemen dressed. They usually rotate their D linemen pretty significantly during the game. But those guys will probably get into the game. Uh, other than that, you know, uh, you know, Johnny uh, Johnny Augustine will probably replace Brady Oliver, although Brady's chasing the thousand yards. Um, you know, and, and I expect that we'll see Drew Brown and and maybe some. Uh, reps too for dakota prukop who didn't play in that game other than short yardage uh, in vancouver a couple of weeks ago so uh look the thing is that this is the big debate right you can't put these guys in bubble wrap to keep them uh safe and sound for for the western final but they do need work because as you mentioned there's going to be a, a bye week next week and so it, uh it's kind of intriguing in that sense and that you know all these guys want to play nobody's Talked about taking the foot off the gas and you know it's not a conversation point at all in the dressing room but if the bombers win tonight it's their 15th win of the season and that would be a franchise record and don't think that matters uh, maybe not in the right here and now but it will matter to some of these guys if they can say they were part of that
1: yeah no doubt although i know that they would far rather be three-time champions than uh, have a regular season record and you know that's part of the way that you know they handled the last game and what was interesting when the team went to BC, Ed, was you know a number of the guys that we just mentioned weren't there. I got to tell you, I mean, were it not for a couple of, I mean, the return game was a little bit of a disaster on both sides. I mean, it was one of those um, it was like a Haley's Comet of return yards, if you will. You don't see that almost <laughs> ever. Um, yeah. But obviously, the pick sixes that went back off of uh, off of Drew Brown. Other than that, I mean, the Bombers really were the better team for the majority of that football game. And again Uh, would have really stung if that was a game that mattered. But again, if it really mattered, you probably have some different guys playing. Um, But I do wonder if there is in some ways, um, you know, playing for the 13th and, you know, maybe reminding the British Columbia Lions that if they do come here in the cold, you're going to be going up against the best team in the Canadian football league. And I even listen on the other side. I mean, it is so intriguing. I mean, I'm far more interested in this game now, knowing that, Nathan Rourke is going to be playing. And he was the story of the Canadian Football League through 10 weeks. I think many, myself included, thought we probably had seen the last of him. Great for the CFL. Huge for the BC Lions that he's back in. And I imagine he'll be trying to get back up to speed very quickly, knowing that come one week's time, they've got a date with the Calgary Stampeders, and the winner will be back here in the peg for uh, the trip to Regina.
0: Right, so... There's a lot of kind of intrigue around the bombers and how they'll approach their their roster and playing time and all that stuff for tonight. But there's a, even more intrigue with the lions, right? And you mentioned Nathan Rourke returning. He hasn't played since August. He's coming off, uh, you know, a, a pretty significant foot injury that you know medical people will tell you takes usually takes longer than this to uh, t- to get fully healed from. He's been quite open, which I find a little bit surprising about the fact he's not going to run. He's, there's no planned runs tonight. Uh, and he just wants to get sharp. They're, they're saying he'll only play the first quarter. But when you say that kind of stuff, that there's no planned runs, I mean, you basically have, have put a bullseye on your back, right? They okay. they know where you're going to be between the tackles. Uh, and uh, you can you can bet that Winnipeg's going to pin their ears out, uh, back and come after him. So, um I think for the Lions, knowing that next week is is massively important because that's when their season's on the line in the West semifinal, they've got to be very careful about this. Um, you know, Nathan Work needs to knock, knock off some rust, but let's just say that in the first quarter, if they have a couple of series where they go 2 and out and Winnipeg has a couple of offensive series where they grind out a lot of yards and take some time off the clock, are you going to extend him into the second quarter just because you know you went to and out a couple of times I'm not sure because uh the worst thing that could happen now is for him to go down again with the with an injury or whether it's the same one or or a new one so that's a guy that I mean if there was a way for them to uh to bubble wrap their quarterback and still have roll them out there then I'm sure they would try to figure out a way but it, it's that's to me the most intriguing part of tonight it's just not that he's coming back but uh uh, how they handle it and how they protect him for ne- for next Sunday when it really matters for them.
1: Well, for sure. I mean, you know, we've we've kind of known for weeks that it was going to be Calgary and BC one way or the other. Um, obviously, with BC getting the job done for a home game and now having Nathan Rourke back, I think there's probably as much optimism on the Lions side of things mm-hmm. as it pertains to that than maybe they've had in the last six or so weeks, just knowing that it was very much up in the air whether Rourke would return i don't know about you ed i mean and i say this just from a bomber fan perspective i sort of calgary still makes me really nervous i i mean the games that the bombers played against the stampeders this year were all really tight it is really hard to beat any team three times in a season the bombers have done that the fourth crack um from calgary does make me a little bit nervous and i'll tell you what i think a team like bc playing in the dome if they win, let's just hope, and I know we're loving this weather right now, but hopefully in a couple of weeks, it's real Winnipeg weather. And that uh, I have a feeling that that home field advantage might be more of an issue or might be more positive for the Bombers if it is BC, just considering their controlled climate of where they're normally playing, coming to something that they and most of the guys have not seen at any point this season and maybe ever.
0: Yeah, you're right about Calgary and and the difficulty in beating a team that many times in one year. And, you know, Dave Dickinson's always going to have that crew uh, really well coached. And Rick Campbell, too, in BC. Both teams have got a pretty good ground game, too, which is kind of frightening, too, because, the you know, BC can pound it with uh, James Butler and Kadeem Carey and that crew, Peyton Logan, uh, in Calgary can really pound the football too. So that used to be the, the Bombers bread and butter still is in, in the playoffs. It'll be Brady Oliveira instead of Andrew Harris now. But, uh, you know, you, if the conditions get crappy and, and maybe Bombers fans and, and the Bombers themselves are crossing their fingers that that would be the case on November 13th, that used to be Winnipeg's advantage, right? They could control the line of scrimmage and pound the football. I still think they believe that. And, uh, you know, I believe that too but it's not like the other teams couldn't try to do the same thing. You make a good point, though, Huss. There's one thing, uh, you know, I don't think the Stamps are scared at all about the Lions and, the, you know, you can go into Vancouver and play in a controlled environment where there's not going to be wind issues or or snow or cold or whatever. On the other hand, you know, the Bombers are going to practice and, and get ready for the West Final, and if the weather turns, it hardens you, right? I, I think there is a mental advantage to that in a way in that, you're here every day in it uh, and you got to get out there and, and kind of prepare yourself for it, learn to catch when it's cold, learn to kick when it's cold, learn to tackle when it's cold. and I think that uh, we saw in the western Final last year that it really does mean something in for this team to be playing in front of their fans because that that game on December 5th last year was one of the more memorable ones that I've ever covered in my years around this team just because of the environment that the fans provided too.
1: Well, it, it, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it is, I mean, in my entire life, it's one of the most memorable games I've ever been to. And you'd be in that crowd, the atmosphere. And I mean, let's not forget the way the game went. I mean, they freaking turned the football over five times in the first half. And yet the yeah. defense held them in the game. And, you know, they ended up winning. And obviously, we know how last season ended. And we hope it will be similar. As far as tonight, though, goes, Ed, uh, you mentioned Brady Oliveira. He's at what, 929 for the year. So yeah. needs. 71 yards for a 1000-yard season. I do wonder how important that is or whether the coaches will be into trying to let a guy get a milestone considering they're going to need him coming up in a week. And I guess the other thing from the receiving side, having Wolitarski and especially Ellingson back in um getting some reps for them, getting them back on the field and feeling good, huge additions and I think it's important that they get some some see some balls and get some game action tonight because uh, they're going to need those guys come uh, come the 13th of
0: November. Right. So on the Oliveira 1,000-yard thing, first has, you know, I don't think that uh, anybody's going to be necessarily tracking that. Maybe Brady will in his head. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure that, you know, if they're in the third quarter and someone taps uh, Coach O'Shea on the shoulder and says that uh, Brady needs uh, 10 more yards to get 1,000, whether that's going to enter into his decision-making about who's in the end of the lineup or not, but, you know, it would be a, a, a nice uh, thing to, for Brady to put on his resume. You make a real good point about Ellingson and Walatarski. Look, they're both veteran guys. They both know what they're doing, but, uh, you know, I think quarterbacks and receivers always talk about the importance of chemistry, and I, I don't think it just comes uh, instantly, you know, I think you can redevelop it or re reignite it maybe, uh, in practice. And, and Zach Clara spoke about that yesterday, but there's no, uh, hmm. there's no, uh, substitute for real live game reps. And I, uh, you know, those guys are really important to Zach and especially in second down, like Dalton Schoen leads the league in second down catches this year. But before Ellingson got hurt, he was right up there at the top. And then as the season unfolded, Walatarski had become really an important weapon. Um, you know, he, he sometimes gets forgotten um, among, amongst uh, Schoen and Dembski and Ellingson, but this is a guy that uh, has stepped up and made big catches in, in clutch games before. And so hmm. it's massive to get those two guys back tonight.
1: Well, and Ellingson early on in the season, I mean, not just on the Bombers, but in the entire league was like far and away the number one guy as far as target share. I mean, it was pretty clear early on that he and Zach Caleros had a great chemistry and Zach was going to be throwing it to Greg first and foremost when that was often his first look. That was at the time when we were also seeing the emergence of Dalton Schoen. And I'm not sure whether Dalton Schoen has the massive numbers in season that he has if Ellingson's in all year long but in his absence Dalton Jones established him as not just the rookie of the year but one of the best and most impactful players in the Canadian Football League and obviously was rewarded this week with the slam dunk unanimous nomination of the Bombers representative for the rookie on the season
0: it's a good point um you know, the the Bombers missed Nick Dembski for four games this year too. And I think that gave, uh, shown some opportunity. Ellingson's been out for seven games and, uh, you know, in that time Nick Dembski stepped up too and had that streak of consecutive games with touchdowns and set a career, a career best with 10 touchdowns this year. That's the one thing that's neat about this offense is that it, it's been a while since they had this whole crew together in their receiving core, but even when they were out, they were still getting it done. I mean, uh, Zach Claros threw for 35 touchdowns this year. He's going into tonight's game. That's the third highest in, in bomber history. And when you look at the revolving door they had at the receiving core this year, that makes that number even more impressive in my mind.
1: Well, there's no doubt about it. 15 TDs for Sean, another 10 for Nick and, um, But that number, I mean, 1,357 yards. A- a- and as big as the number that is, He's averaging 20 yards of catch it. Yeah. I mean, I can't ever remember listen, there'll be a few guys that just have a couple of big plays, but they don't see the ball very often. But for a guy that is catching the football as much, his impact on second down like historically good. And the fact of the matter is that when he catches the football, he's usually in a spot to get plenty more after the catch. and I mean it's just an a, an incredible. I mean, you look at the rest of the team, like, Nick Dembski's 12, Rashid Bailey's 11 and a half, Greg Ellingson's got a really good 15 and a half, 20 yards a catch for a guy that's caught 68 balls this season and 15 of them ended in the uh, in the end zone.
0: I believe the CFL record for average uh, yards per catch is 26 or so, and I think it might be Milt Stegall from uh, the late 90s when the Bombers had probably TJ Rubley or somebody awful like that, a quarterback that... Uh, Every time Milk caught a pass, it was a touchdown. But it's interesting because I don't think that when Dalton Schoen got here, anybody looked at him necessarily as a deep threat. But he's he's such a good route runner when he does catch those deep balls from Zach Caleros. There's been a few that have been 50-50 balls that he's pulled down and and taken to the house. But there's a lot of them where he's just flat, wide open because he's run such a good route or seen things so clearly. That's one thing that gets lost here is that this guy, you know, he signed here in April. He did his homework on the league he studied the waggle has understood and and studied how to take advantage of of defensive backs using that and he's been a a real quick learn a real quick study on this game and uh, he, he runs routes like a you know a guy that's been in this league for five years and how to set up dbs and it's pretty impressive um and as i said to somebody yesterday if he's not unanimous cfl rookie of the year then the one or two people that don't vote for him i mean They got to be hauled out to the woodshed because uh, I can't understand how anybody else would be the the rookie of the year right now. They better have that thing already, that trophy already engraved.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, if Zach Caleros hadn't had the season that he has had, we might be talking about him as also nominated for a couple of other awards. But, you know, again, when you've got a quarterback doing what Zach's done and winning the games that he's done, I think pretty clear that he was going to be the nominee for the most outstanding player. Um, Eddie quickly on the, uh, on the uh, defense, you mentioned Jackson Jeff Colt coming back. I mean, he is such a, he might not get the headlines that Willie Jefferson or Adam Big Hill does at times, but I mean, the, the brilliance of the bomber defense and is having those guys on the ends. Willie, of course, the nominee for the defensive player of the year. And, you know, he's been healthy and he's been impactful all year long, um, I'm not sure how much Jackson plays tonight, but uh, it is just massive for the Bombers to get him back. Not necessarily today, but just knowing that he's well enough to play two good weeks of preparation and um, to be a real impact player like he was last December against the Riders in the to get to, to the last year's Grey Cup.
0: Well, Jackson Jeff's Jeffscoats is an all-star, right? He was last year, and he can be a difference maker on his own. But I think uh, – his return does help Willie Jefferson immensely. I was listening to a podcast earlier this week where they talked about Willie's numbers being down and maybe not him not being as much of an impact this year. But if you know, if you go back and look, he has seven sacks, he's got a pick six. There's been a lot of games, most games when Jackson Jeffco's not dressing, where teams will put a you know an extra old lineman on that side or a fullback to chip Willie when he's trying to uh, rush the passer, he's still dominant at that end. But now when you add 94 at the other side and Jeffcoat, um, that changes things, right? You can Maybe you can't pay that much attention to Willie on the one side because then you're vulnerable on the other end because uh, Jackson Jeffcoat's getting into the backfield. So that's where, where the impact is felt the most, I think, and that uh, it's not just what Jackson can bring to the defense. It's what he does for offenses because they can't spend that uh, – pay uh, much more attention to number five on the other side. It's, it just uh, balances things out more. And when you have that too, it also uh, frees up some guys in the middle. We saw in the Grey Cup last year, after being burned in the 2019 Grey Cup, the Ticats were determined to not let uh, Jefferson and Jeff Cook kill them. And, and they paid extra attention to the ends. And then a guy like Jake Thomas and Stove Richardson had massive games in last year's Grey Cup, just pushing up the middle because uh, because of the attention those two guys got at the end.
1: Ed Tate with us from BlueBombers.com. Getting ready for Bombers-Lions tonight, regular season finale. Eddie, um, do you have any idea, how will next week work for the club uh, on the bye? I mean, do they just, are they off the field? I mean, obviously, I don't think guys will be leaving town and coming back or anything. I mean, this will be a group that will be together, but do you start practicing early ahead of the West final or um, how exactly do you think this week works as opposed to the normal game or game week of uh, the regular practice
0: schedule? I'm not sure of the exact practice schedule, but they'll probably have practices later next week, you know, even before they know who the uh, opponent is. And then you get into um, your regular routine after that, but, you know, just being around this bunch and knowing this team, even when there's bye weeks in the summer, there's guys in here doing their homework and watching film and working out. And I think that's only going to be magnified by a a zillion next week because they know what's at stake. That's the one thing about this team that's interesting. It's a veteran crew. And there's a lot of guys that set the tone. You know, you talk about Alexander, uh, Jefferson, Big Hill, Zach, you know, the guys on the O-line, they'll be in here. They'll be studying, they'll be lifting, uh, they'll be working out. And so they know what the, what's at stake here and, and sort of the legacy they've, they've created. And and the other thing is they just like being around each other. So I don't think there's anybody jetting out of town or, or planning the, any kind of hunting or fishing expeditions. They'll be in here mm-hmm. working, even if they're not on the field.
1: Yeah, and you know Mike O'Shea will be doing the same thing yeah. right now. Well, <clears throat> listen, looking forward to uh, this game tonight. I mean, it's gonna be great to see Nathan Rourke back on the field. We'll see whether this is the first of two visits to winnipeg that he'll have for the remaining of this season obviously that's all going to depend on next week's west semi between calgary and bc and uh i guess ed the big thing is just hope everyone stays healthy you get out of this one uh ready to go for a little r and r and then a big week of practice heading into what should be an amazing scene at ig field on the 13th for the west final uh by the way are there still tickets for that game
0: the west final yeah yeah, boy, yeah. and uh Plenty of seats available for tonight, too. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's the Intercept Cancer game. It's a 90s night. Uh, Joe Paploski is being added to the Ring of Honor officially tonight, so there'll be a ceremony for him at halftime. There's lots going on here, uh, even though there's it, it's a quote-unquote meaningless game in the standings.
1: Well, it's another opportunity for Bonner fans to get down to the uh, stadium and have more fun than anybody else yeah. in the league. Princess auto tailgate party starting a couple hours beforehand. The scenes there have been so much fun. Like, I don't know if you've gotten outside the stadium at all before the game at all, Ed. Yep. I mean, I, the, the banjo bowl scene out there was the best pregame atmosphere I have ever seen at IG field. The next game against Saskatchewan was pretty darn close as well. And, uh, I think more and more fans, just because the games have been so much fun, are getting there early, taking advantage of some good deals beforehand, beating traffic, and um, it's turning that three-hour game into, you know, a five or six-hour party that um, just keep seemingly keeps on getting bigger.
0: Yeah, the tailgate area is pretty cool. You know, my sons are in the right demographic for the team. They're both in their twenties, and they they don't they're not so much interested in the fact that Nathan works back tonight. They both asked me today if it's still five dollar beers for a while there before the game so uh, <laughs> there's all kinds of ways to get people into the building and the, the tailgate area is one of them and the five dollar beers are another and it's just it's just cool place to be uh because look the team is 27 and two at home in the last 29 games so uh, that's a pretty good number I would think
1: it, you know what? It's you, Sometimes you just got to pinch yourself, but um, I don't know when in that dressing room is doing it. They're going to be ready to go head-to-head with BC tonight, hopefully come out of it healthy and ready to go for the winner of Calgary and BC in a couple weeks. Uh, Ed, tell the boys I'll see him at the tailgate area before the game. You uh, have a good night on the job. Okay.
0: <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I'll see you later.
1: <laughs> Always a pleasure. Thanks so much. There's Ed Tate. Make sure you're giving him a follow and check out all the great work covering the back-to-back Grey Cup champs over at bluebombers.com. All right, let's get to the why not question of the day. I was going to do this right off the top, but as we get to uh, more talk on the Jets and moving into Arizona tonight, um, Bumas has a great one today. How do you feel, like for those of you that were around in the 90s for Jets 1.0, how do you feel about watching this game tonight? and watching this team play in a 5,000-seat arena in Arizona, and uh, maybe just comments on the entire saga. would love to hear your thoughts on that. You can do it in chat, or preferably leave a comment on the YouTube episode today uh, right below, and don't forget to hit that red subscribe button while you are at. Um, Speaking of not AutoCorp, they are the Tesla experts in town. At a big Tesla event last week, still have many, many on the lot. They've also got the Tesla Experience Program which includes overnight or weekend-long Tesla experiences with an opportunity to learn about electric vehicles and technology from the Tesla experts. Tesla vehicle payments begin at $4.99 biweekly and no gas expenses. And hey, with winter just around the corner, um, the service lab at the car lab is ready to go. They've got winter tire specials and the MPI payment plan, why not get safe winter tires now and pay later? And, of course, warranty-approved servicing and maintenance repair on all makes at Not. Thinking about a new vehicle, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? You can check them out, Waverly and McGillivray, and online at uh, at um, Knot.ca. I had a great chat with my boy Greg over at uh, um, Royal Sports last night watching the game with uh Dustin Nielsen was in town to, to call the game last night. And Greg has pointed out, and Remo, I don't know if you've got these here, but uh, you've got some awesome, awesome new bomber gear just in time for the Western final. New bomber gear, uh, new bomber scarves are 20 but Trapper hats, forty eight ninety nine. new toques as well. And uh, by the way, we may have a few WST toques to drop on you very, very soon as well. But um, if you're on your way to the game tonight and maybe want a little bit of an extra layer, Royal Sports is the spot to be. Incredible selection of bomber merchandise. While you're there, you can check out their thousands of pieces of Jets gear. Their massive soccer section, including Canada World Cup gear, for those of you that have been looking to get the red on ahead of the trip to the Qatar next year, next week, month, excuse me, and Canada's finally returned to the, uh, the, the World Cup. And, of course, they're also the hockey superstore for over 40 years in Manitoba, and they've got the hockey experts, players. They're working there for uh, the best fit, best advice, right down to the skate sharpening. Royal Sports, 750 Pembina Highway, and again on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Uh, next week, we haven't forgot. We do owe you guys a suit show. Maybe we'll do it on Thursday. It was always tuxedo night when the Habs used to come to town back in the old days. Well, we might be able to do that next week on the program. The good thing is we are good to go because Remus and I both went down to F Apparel. The entire process was awesome. The custom suits begin at four hundred dollars. Measured me up, figured out the style I wanted. I, I couldn't go with the complete skin tight suits that you see many guys. That only Ken Weeb can pull those off. The uh, the super skinny jeans and pants. Um. But, of course, you pick the fabrics, colors, and a few weeks later, got a beautiful new suit. All the accessories are there. And right now, two great deals at F Apparel. Buy one suit, get another one for 30% off for those of you that wear a lot or need a big wardrobe refresh. And, fellas, if you're involved in a wedding party for next year, F's always been the number one spot to go to for your entire wedding party. Why don't rent something and have to take it back the weekend after? Right now, you and the guys can get fitted and book by the end of November, everyone will get a free shirt and 10% off your order. That is all coming up at uh, F Apparel right now. Pop down and see them this weekend, 190 Smith Street downtown. Or you can make an appointment or check them out online at F, that's com. And uh, as we uh, welcome in Ken Weave in just a minute from uh, the Mullet Arena, in Arizona, I've got to give a shout-out to our pal Nick, DQ Nick, who's actually just did an impromptu exit, and he's actually going to be at the game on Sunday in Vegas supporting the Jets with a bunch of friends. Uh, but don't worry, Nick and Nicky DQs will still be there to serve you throughout the weekend with those delicious blizzards, stack burgers, chicken fingers, and more. Four locations, the DQ Neverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And you can hit him up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba if you want to get an order in on a custom cake for your next event for a quick and easy pickup at the your local Nick and Nikki DQ. Um, all right. Well, we're I, this is going to be interesting because uh, we've got lots to talk about from last night's game and a very interesting matchup in an interesting place. Tempe, Arizona and the opening of Mullet Arena and uh, <laughs> Ken Weeb. Weeb's World himself, fresh off a late night edition of Kenny and Rennie, joins us now. And I'm not sure what we've got on this. This looks like a possibly a mullet wig being handed out to Arizona Coyotes fans. Weber, fill us in. What's up? How are you? And uh, where are you? Now it's on the ground in Tampa at the Mullet Arena. For those of you with us on YouTube, Ken giving us a couple of incredible. Panoramic shots of the rink, as well as some giveaways for tonight. Weaver, what's up? How are you?
3: That's great to be with you. Uh, yes, I mean, when you talk about leaning into a promotion, I mean, come on! Like, how much better does it get than a mullet being handed out at Mullet Arena with the "You Do You" on it? I mean, come on! This is uh, this is pretty exceptional stuff. You got to uh, got to appreciate uh, the fact that, uh, yeah, I mean. Is the visitors' dressing room ideal for the first four games? Absolutely not. But uh, there's a $25 million annex being built, and by the next time this uh, Coyotes team has a homestand in December, they'll have state-of-the-art uh, dressing room. So yes, it's it is land size, uh, one third or one quarter of the building, but it's an awesome, brand new college building, and. Uh, quite frankly, uh, it should be a lot of fun. Here's the student section, Huss. Uh, have a look there. Student section on the end zone. Uh, fear the fork in the background for the good folks at ASU. And uh should be a pretty festive atmosphere in here uh, at Mullett Arena for the uh, first game ever, NHL game here, uh, between the Jets and Coyotes.
1: Um, uh, all right, listen, but I do want to talk about this game tonight and more about everything around it, but we cannot start this conversation without talking about the larcenous two points, the jets escaped crypto.com arena yesterday with, um, I mean, what, what do you make of that game? How, how in the world did they come out of that winners in a game that they literally were dominated for a full 60 minutes. Um, Jonathan quick was horrible. Connor Hellebuck was great. Um, What did you make of the Jets' performance overall and how they somehow made it out of there with two points?
3: Well, a little bit of a sleepy start for sure. Uh, I don't know that they got dominated in the second period. I thought the Jets kind of stabilized a little bit there. But uh, obviously, Connor Hellebuck was the difference, right? 25 saves the last two periods, 39 in the game. Uh, the Jets were resilient and opportunistic, probably most importantly for them. Uh, they were able to <laughs> bury a couple of goals. They got a breakaway goal from Mark Scheifele, then went to sleep for the rest of the period until a shorthanded marker set up by David Gustafson to Adam Lowry. I mean, you know, kind of the game was a little bit interesting. Jets took the lead. I'm with you. I mean, I thought that Jonathan Quick was fighting the puck uh, throughout the contest. He looked a little bit shaky, and you know, to be quite frank, the Jets probably could have taken the lead a little bit earlier. Uh, if it had buried a couple of other chances, uh, you know, the primary one being Dylan DeMello, uh, firing the puck, uh, was, it was, I hate to use this term, but that was a Scott Norwood special, I guess. Actually, no, it was wide left. It it, it was, it was, it was wide left. So I guess Norwood, Norwood special would have been wide, right? But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that was a great setup by Saku Manilainen. But the Jets uh, didn't convert a couple of uh, you know glorious chances, but still found a way to take the lead. And then after LA had the hot start again to the third, uh, evening the score on the uh, Trevor Moore goal, uh, they found a way to stabilize um, and found a way to get the job done with the fourth line goal. Hus, I mean, we've been talking early in the year. We talk, it's still early in the year overall, but uh, we talked about the importance of getting contributions from the third and fourth lines and. Lo and behold, the Jets' third and fourth liners, bottom six forwards, were all over the score sheet, uh, as it turns out, uh, in a game where, yes, Pierre-Luc Dubois scored a nice power play goal and Mark Scheifey scored on a breakaway. Uh, you know, To get to five, they needed a big contribution from the bottom six, and obviously uh, Nate Schmidt uh, with the seeing-eye goal as well. So, I mean, it was an important uh, game for the uh, third and fourth lines. But again, it's a, Jets have won four games two of those games the game winner has been supplied by the fourth line and uh I would say that the 50 percentile uh, is not something they'll keep up on that front but it was an important part of the game where you mentioned that's a that's a goal that's a goalie win no doubt about it but they had to have those other things in order to uh, get over the top
1: you know I I mean listen a win is a win I I guess and you know for people like me that are invested in the team that want to see them do well you will take the win but I have to admit Ken you know, like this has been a fun, fun place to be for the last few days. I mean, since that game on Monday against the St. Louis blues, we talked about the way they played for a full 60 minutes that that was the blueprint. You had a day off, you've got a day of practice. You're going out for the first game of the road trip. And, um, you know, I I mean the big conversation on this program, I'm sure you had too, is let's see whether the jets can string a few of these together and start (laughs) playing consistently. Um, I'll be honest. I was at an absolute loss for the way that they came out and played in that first period last night and incredibly fortunate to only be down two or down one goal at the end. Um, But I mean, the shots were 16 to one at one point. I think the attempts were 31 to two. Um, Is this just a Jekyll and Hyde team like we've seen in the past? And that was an aberration on Monday in a good way. Um, Or I mean, what, what what do you put, what do you make of just the way that the team came out regardless of the result last night
3: yeah so i mean game 7 i would say it's a little early to be drawing conclusions as to you know whether this team is slipping back into old habits or whatever else but the big thing for me hus is that this is the second time after a uh, you know 2 day break between games where the jets were very flat i mean it was very similar to the game in dallas right i mean that was it was a very we're looking at templates. That was the template they had against Dallas. They looked slow against Dallas. They looked slow against L.A. So to me, that you know, that is something that we will definitely file for the memory bank. But I don't think it's a situation where the Jets were, uh, you know, sleeping on their press clippings and thinking it was going to be an easy night for them. I mean, the L.A. Kings are a team that caught everyone's attention in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Jets knew they would need to be ready. And, you know, they weren't ready and they looked slow um so to me i would say it's like i said I, I would not put a whole lot of stock in that there's some nights where teams are flat uh coming out the jets were very flat but i mean in terms of building their processes and getting back to the template uh that was nowhere near what we saw on monday against the st louis blues and uh if the jets play more games like they did against the la kings and fewer than they did against the st louis blues then they're not going to win a lot of hockey games Uh with all due respect to you know the ability to pull uh, pull uh, you know the old rabbit's foot out in the game uh, on Thursday in in L.A. at Crypto as you mentioned, but I mean there is also something to be said. I mean we, Sean and I have this you know, debate all the time. I mean there is also something to be said for the whole finding a way in a game where you don't have your best, and that certainly was what we saw from the Jets uh, on uh, Thursday night as well. They didn't have their best, but they found a way in a game where they probably should have been blown out.
1: Can you remember the last time the Jets won a game where they were outshot more than two to one? Like I think the final shots were nineteen. The San Jose, San Jose yes, San Jose The CJC game. Yes. game. The,
3: the San Jose special, yes. The, uh, the whatever it was. Was it was either 49 or 51 saves for Connor Ellibuck I would say that was would be the similar Similarly, on that. Well, but one that's guy probably that's probably
1: the last one. One guy that's not apologizing for anything is Connor Hellebuck, and he certainly no, shouldn't be. Uh, we were joking earlier that they've got two jackets this year because one's going to <laughs> Hellebuck every night. <laughs> Permanently. The other one gets passed around the other club. But wow, what a start to the season for uh, for Connor. And, you know, can you talk? You've talked on this program before about how driven, how focused Connor Hellebuck is. I think everyone knows that this team goes as their number one goalie will take them. Um, and my God, he has been brilliant so far in this young season. Um, just thoughts on Hellebuck's performance so far and, and the tone that he's setting right now for his team night in and night out.
3: Yeah. Bang on Hus. I mean, the, <laughs> the Connor Hellebuck you saw in LA was the Connor Hellebuck that I thought would be back in the Vesna conversation. I mean, he can't be asked to do that every single night. No, but this is the kind of goaltending that he can provide when he's in, in a, in a groove and on his game and in the zone and all of those things. So uh, just a quick thing the, the case folks were wondering, it was Kyle bianco Dominic Toninato and David Riddick uh, out for work this morning. So we're expecting Riddick to be between the pipes and based on these two guys being out here, I don't expect any lineup changes. I don't think uh, Logan Stanley will be ready and, uh, obviously, Nikolai Euler's not being out here would, I mean, he was already ruled out for the road trip. But for those wondering if there might be a, a late uh, surprise appearance, I would say it's very unlikely due to the fact he hasn't been on the ice. But uh, hellebuck, yeah, I mean, uh, Connor's an elite goalie, all world. So when, he, when you have an all world goalie, uh, you can overcome a few warts. And we saw a few of the warts on display. Um, you know, twice the Jets have, you know, been slow against faster teams. Uh, today, the Coyotes are an extremely hard-working team. I mean, they, by their own admission, they don't have a ton of skill. Uh, Shane Gostisbehere is heavily involved in their offensive attack. But you're going to have to work. If you don't bring your work boots, the Coyotes can beat you. I mean, they beat a couple of good teams already this year, uh, despite being in full rebuild mode. But uh, it's going to be an interesting game on a lot of fronts here uh, this evening.
1: What um, What do you think the way that they stole that game last night, and everyone in the room knows it, What do you think that does to the way that they come out tonight? Um, You know, it's weird. Back-to-back games, sometimes there's not a lot. But i sort of saying to Remus, I mean, I would love to see this team come out almost playing guilty for what happened. You know, like if you have a bad game and the coach brings you out, you really got to nail practice the next day. Well, they're not having a practice. They're right back in game operation. And um, you would think that we should see a much, much better team tonight considering what they got away with last night in L.A.
3: Yeah, so in the old betting parlance, that would be the found money game for the Winnipeg Jets, right? I mean, that would be the found money and probably stolen money uh, somehow. So uh, I would say that, uh, the, the, you know, it's a different it's a different uh, definition of playing guilty than what we're used to seeing, Huss, in the maybe the 80s or the 90s. But uh, I would definitely say, you know, Nate Schmidt said it best. He said, at some point, the team looked around and said, hey, we can't let an effort like this from Connor Hellebuck Uh, be wasted. So I would say the Jets know they can't be relying on David Riddick to be making 14 or 15 saves in the first period in order for them to survive. So I would expect them to be a lot sharper out of the gate. Uh, It'll be different. I would imagine there'll be a lot of pomp and circumstance and pageantry uh, going into this game, being the first game for the Coyotes at Mullard Arena. Uh, That probably means a a later start time. So they're going to have to stay sharp on those fronts. And that means making sure you have your skating legs early. So for me, jets got to be moving right out of the gate, uh, otherwise you, know, you don't want to be chasing the game uh, that like they did against the LA Kings. That's not a formula for sustained success. so I would expect them to be ready for a puck drop here and, and go from there say, if they're not ready, then you can start asking questions about you know some of those other things you're talking about. but to me, I think that yesterday was was more of a, I guess you can't call it a full one-off. But it was a one-off in that the last time they played that poorly, they got you know, they got beaten handily, and this time they found a way to you know, squeeze one out. Uh, squeeze one out.
1: Um, Ken, you mentioned it doesn't look like any lineup changes tonight. Dylan Samberg got back into the lineup, and I uh, will say uh, you know kind of funny because I thought he was so calm and composed in that game against Colorado, where he played quite well, but unfortunately was hurt. Logan Stanley has. Much like Sandberg, a real strong game gets nicked up and goes out. Um, wasn't as smooth for Sandberg last night. I mean, what do you make of the that performance, and what do you hope to see from him as this road trip continues? If he is the sixth defenseman in the uh in uh, the lineup,
3: for sure. So it was not Logan, or sorry, that was not Dylan Sandberg's best game. Uh, he had a you know, bad turnover, and it, you know he was not as composed with the puck as we've come to see from him with regularity. Uh, but he's a young defenseman he was trying to establish himself as a full-time NHLer, so uh, I'm not giving him a pass, but I'm saying that just because a guy has one bad game doesn't mean now he's never going to have another good game. So uh, I would say that, that, you know, the pairing was not as stable as it had been, uh, you know, at different points of the season. Um, I think that Samberg knows he needs to play better and I would expect him to be better tonight, whether that was something related to the, injury and maybe losing your rhythm. I mean, he played such a strong game against the Colorado Avalanche, I would say that uh, I would expect him to bounce back uh, against the Arizona Coyotes. But again, it's all about trusting your abilities and and your process, right? I mean, their off days are going to come. There's going to be days when you don't have your hands, when you don't have your legs, but uh, you just can't let those um, kind of spiral out of control, I guess, if you will. Uh, if, you're, if you're Dylan Sandberg, you know that You know, Logan Stanley had two good games in a row, probably, for sure. You know, one very good game and one steady-ish game, I would say. In a game where the Jets didn't have a lot of strong players against Toronto, he was okay. Uh, Then he was very good against St. Louis. So uh, we talked about the competition all throughout the summer, and the competition is ongoing, and it will be continuing. uh, Whenever, you know, whether that means Dylan Sandberg is now being pushed by Kyle Capabianco, Or if it means Logan Stanley is eventually ready to return from the injury because we don't know the severity, right? If Stan
1: was healthy tonight, um, do you think Stan's the guy that's uh, that's in? Like, did his performance against St. Louis kind of get him back into that spot where he's maybe a little bit ahead of Sandberg?
3: I mean, it's a good question, Hutz. I mean, I I just I I don't I don't have a great answer because I it's all hypothetical. I, I don't think Logan Stanley would have come out after the St. Louis game based on how well he played. That's only hypothetical because he was not available, right? So, but we also know that Dylan Sandberg wouldn't have come out given how well he played against Colorado. So, I I don't have a, in the power rankings, I I literally think they're still basically at an even keel, right? So, uh, neither one has still established themselves as having some separation. So, I mean, do I know who's getting the spot when they're both healthy at the same time? I mean, I think only Scott O'Neill and his coaching staff know that, Huss. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to really put a finger on it. And we also have to remember they're still judging the overall body of work. It's not just the one game beforehand that is being considered, also, right? So uh, what I would say, the, my long-winded way of saying that Sandberg probably needs to stack more than one good game before he takes over the, you know, pulls the grip of the six-spot back in his direction. Uh, but also, too, staying healthy and being available is also a big part of, you know, <laughs> the best... <laughs> the best capability is availability. So that is also a factor here as well. So, and that now applies to both players. It's not just one of them. Now, both of them have had uh, injuries in the early stages of the year. So, and again, we know this competition is not just two person competition. I mean, we know Billy Hanela had a strong, strong weekend with the Manitoba Moose. So uh, although he's out of sight, he's not out of mind when it comes to these discussions and, that's what we said when Billy got sent down us, what did I, what did I tell you? And what did other people tell you force the jets to have no choice, but to continue to consider you to be part of the conversation. So uh, I think that his play on the weekend would have helped, uh, would help in, in that cause.
1: Yeah. And of course the moose are back with a couple of games on home ice in the afternoon, two o'clock Saturday, two o'clock Sunday. And of course, tomorrow night as well, ice home opener as the uh, Battle of Manitoba gets going, Brandon, this evening, and then the ice home opener at the Ice Cave tomorrow night. Ken Weeb with us out at Mullet Arena. Um, one more on last night's game, but it's also a bigger picture. Um, we always love talking about David Gustafson. What an impact he had last night. Um, yeah. And when really that fourth line, um, you know, as much as, you know, they weren't playing as much as the other lines, which, you know, is often the case. Um You know, the play that he made to Adam Lowry, I think, was the most impactful play in the entire game to get the Jets back to within one at a time where they basically had no business being in it. And then, you know, the fourth line later on getting in, and Axel Janssen-Fialbi, by the way, what does Rennie keep calling him? (laughs) Berg, I L. L. Berg. and I love how you just keep on giving it to him every time he, every time he does that. Um, hey, next but,
3: time he's going to the chalkboard to write it out a hundred times, like in school in the old days. I mean, Bart Simpson for, on The for, Simpsons, or other people other than you or I, Hus.
1: <laughs> um, but anyways, thoughts on Gus so far up to this point, as well as Axel, who uh, was finally rewarded with a very big goal after you know getting some pretty good chances uh, in his early time with the Jets.
3: For sure, Hus. I mean, you, you said it. I mean, it. I think the one thing that people you maybe miss if you're not looking closely enough, but Gustafson had to, he had to push through the neutral zone to make sure Drew Doughty was kind of flat footed. I mean, he had to kind of attack him knowing it was a two on one and then he froze him before he made the pass over to Lowry and Lowry goes to the, you know, the traditional and historical uh, backhand through the old wickets on the five hole. Uh, But that's a really smart play because, in, in a lot of situations, Dowdy's job is to take away the to take away the pass and, and give up the shot. But Gustafson kind of froze him into thinking he was shooting and then he got it over and Lowry makes a nice tuck on the backhand. Uh, but the other thing too, I mean, Gustafson also forced the turnover that led to the Brendan Dillon shot from the left point that was tipped in by Axel Jansson Fialdi. So, uh, he had a lot of things uh, happening on that on the, those two plays in particular, and obviously Gustafsson right in the middle of both of those things. I mean, he's never going to have put up eye popping numbers, but we've talked about this whether he's been with the Moose or with the Swedish national team. He makes the guys around him better, hus, and that that's that's David Gustafsson's superpower: his ability to be in the right spot defensively, to be a conscientious two way player, and to help put other line mates or guys he's on the ice with into better spots that give them scoring chances and that was also on display uh, you know, on Thursday as well. In terms of Janssen Fialbi, hey, if you're trying to earn more ice time as a waiver claim, make an impact on the game. I mean, whether that means buzzing around, you know, he's like, in some ways, he's like the modern day Phil Sykes, right? Giving her 100 miles an hour all the time, getting Psycho. in on the four check. There he, hey. <laughs> yes. And then making an impact on those fronts, whether it's on the penalty kill or on the four check or with a body check here or there. But, I mean, those guys got to contribute too. you can't just be treading water and, and, you know, holding up ice time, you got to make an impact. And once in a while, they make an offensive contribution. And that's the kind of thing that goes a long way. I mean, not only is it the game winner, you see how the bench responds when a fourth line guy who doesn't get a ton of ice time, but is, you know, making things happen and buzzing around those guys get a huge boost. And it also gives the bench a big boost, right?
1: what a great reference Phil Sykes it's and it's a perfect <laughs> thing with the coyotes and jets going at it tonight Folks, a little look it up on.
3: look it up for you for you youngsters out there yeah go psycho to your old jets number media 17 guides, uh maybe uh, maybe check out a couple of YouTubes uh see, <laughs> see if you can find uh, a little bit of the wizardry of Phil Sykes
1: well speaking of references um just I'd like to take us back to last night's post game Kenny and Rennie after dark <laughs> yes. um speaking of Axel Johnson Fialby, is Sean Reynolds outrageous humble brag that when he had long hair, everyone used to call him Fabio. <laughs> is that the most over the top humble brag in the history of the Kenny uh, and Rennie show? Uh,
3: I wish I was. Uh, Sean is in the opposite corner of me right now. Uh, I would love to pull him on screen to actually have to respond to that comment himself. Uh, uh, hilarious.
1: That was uh, that. I- <laughs> absolutely
3: tremendous. Uh, as you know, Hus, uh, I do have visual proof. I used to rock a little bit of a yarmir Yager style mullet in the, uh, in the ninth grade myself. Maybe one day I'll, I'll share the photo uh, on uh, on Winnipeg Sports Talk to give everybody a Friday laugh. But uh, that was a pretty bold statement by Sean. Uh, as some of the commenters said, uh, if there's no photo, it didn't happen. So that's the, that's the Kenny and Rennie and Hustler Challenge. Uh, show us the photo or it's nothing but empty, empty calories.
1: (laughs) We're going to need to dig that up. And he was just the way he dropped it to you. Oh, when I had this long hair, everyone called me Fabio. I was, I was absolutely losing it, but that is part of the entertainment that comes with those post West coast late games. You never Mm -hmm. know where we're going to go. Kenny, just quickly uh, coyotes. You mentioned Goss's bear. He's had a great start. Everyone thought that this team was going to be historically bad. Actually had a few big wins. They beat the Leafs. They just pumped six past uh, Elvis in uh, Columbus the uh, earlier right. week uh, with a win. Um, it seems like there's a team. This is a team that a lot of teams will have the danger of maybe thinking that they have already got the two points before they even drop the puck. Um, what are you expecting from this uh, Coyotes team? And you know what are the Jets going to need to worry about when they get out there other than not playing the way they did in L.A.
3: Well, the other thing we know about the Coyotes' hus is that the Jets got Vemelka'd uh, yes. last year on one occasion and nearly got Vemelka'd on a second occasion. So if you're not ready to go, there's a guy that can steal games every once in a while. Uh, you know, it is a bit of a nondescript roster, but they got a lot of hardworking guys. That's something that Andre Tourigny uh, was talking about this morning, and also you know when I was talking with Zach Cassian yesterday, he told me that. When you hear the words rebuild, it means people are comfortable with losing. And what the Coyotes have tried to do, obviously, they're giving opportunities to young players. They're trying to establish a culture where losing is not acceptable, even if it's happening. So hard work can kind of overcome a lot of those uh, errors that you might see from a young, you know, mistakes are happening with a young team. But as long as there's hard work and work ethic behind them, um, you know, Andre Tournier's words were, I can provide a mulligan or two. If you're not providing the effort, you're going to have to sit down and take a seat and someone else will play. So uh, they're a hardworking bunch. I mean, Nick Bukestad is a guy who, uh, you know, we know from his time with the Minnesota wild and, you know, former Nate Schmidt roommate. So, you know, he's not as offensive or dynamic as he was when he broke into the league, uh, you know, with the Florida Panthers. But uh, I mean, they have some guys that can put the puck in the net, but they're a lunch pail group. And, you know, if they beat you, it's usually because they're outworking you and, uh, the Jets can't, simply can't afford to be at work today.
1: All right, Kenny, before we go, um, and again, I wanted to save this for the end because I know a lot of people listening on the podcast won't be able to get sure. the visuals from this, but uh, give us your thoughts on this rink. I mean, we've heard that pound for pound, it's beautiful. It's just really, really small. Um, what uh, well, what stands out to you other than the obvious size of the building? Where's your press box seat? Uh, what, what else can you tell us about the new home of the Coyotes before they drop the puck tonight?
3: Sure the uh, so press box is quite small. Uh, I'm going to be in section 113 yeah. at the top here next uh, next to here. Uh, you know speaking of cameos here's our pal uh, Greg Wyszyns- Wyszyns- Wyszynski. easy for me to say uh, there's, <laughs> yeah there's a photo of the coyotes room uh, like I said I know we know that it's uh, there is a scoreboard. We've got a couple of pictures from the old Instagram so uh, you know what it's a fantastic college rink. So yes, it's one-third or one-quarter of the size. So no, it's not NHL caliber on those fronts. But uh, I think the vibe in here is going to be fantastic. Uh, the student section figures to be uh, very enthusiastic, uh, whether there were mullets involved or not. And now there will be. There sounds like there's going to be a drum line. Uh, could have some marching band action. Uh, I think it'll be, again, it's, it's not going to be like Vegas because it's not nearly as big as Vegas. But I think there will be a show atmosphere, that comes with games here and let's, I mean, it reminds me of being at the ice cave for ice games. You're right on top of the ice, literally. So that's going to create a fun environment for players to kind of soak in. I mean, like I said, we know that the first four teams that roll through, including the jets, there's probably going to be complaints with the visitors locker room, which is in the middle of the community rink uh, under a, you know, temporary structure with just chairs. And there you go. There's the outside. I mean, um nobody wants to sit in a in a chair but i mean whatever it's one game i mean one game for four nhl teams and then it'll be beautiful so yes there's going to be some complaints is there some low-hanging fruit us of course there is but the biggest thing for the coyotes is that they have a vote coming in november in terms of whether they're going to get their new rink in tempe and if they can get that done and it'll happen within three or four years then there could be hope for the Coyotes in the desert. And that I think is what they're trying to embrace. Players are trying to embrace that aspect of it. But as we also know, a lot of these Coyotes maybe won't be here in three years. So um, that's why I think the overriding message from the players, of course they were, you know, the the spin was out, but I mean, I honestly got the feeling that these guys are genuinely curious as to what it's going to look like and what the atmosphere is going to be look like. And, I think said, kind of had the perfect perspective. I mean, you're still playing in the NHL, so there's really going to be not a lot of complaints. So embrace it, have fun with it. If you're a visiting team, you're only coming through once or twice a year anyway. I mean, is it that big of an inconvenience? What I can tell you is, I mean, I don't think there's any players in the NHL, and probably not one single media member that wants the Coyotes out of the NHL. It's one of the most enjoyable stops, and Bill Armstrong joked about it. It's the number one destination wives around the hockey, around the nhl i mean in terms of place to live and everything else uh, it's a great place to be and i mean of course we know gary bettman has invested a lot in trying to make this work in the desert and i mean we'll see i mean we'll see what happens like i said i think the vote is a big thing and i think it's going to be a fun atmosphere will the novelty eventually wear off in that three-year period i mean the coyotes got to win some games or else it's going to be a challenge but I think it'll be a fun vibe, and I, you know, I'm looking forward to tonight. I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere, and, you know, I think people will still look, even Nate out said it. I mean, I think at some point, visiting players will look forward to the festive atmosphere, even if the facilities, you know, for game one through four on the home ice may not, would, we, we would fall under that suboptimal range.
1: Oh, Right on time when Ken's on WSD, yeah. Tinder hot XYZ enters the chat almost you know. like clockwork. Um, last one, I know there's a few WSTers that are actually have made the trip down. and will be at this game tonight. So it'll be interesting to hear the fan experience from there. But uh, outside the rink, Ken, is this right on ASU campus? I mean, yes. is it all bars and restaurants all around it? I mean, it was so anyone that's been to Glendale knew that that Westgate complex was really cool. I mean, you had the rink and you had those things around it. What is it like in and around that arena for fans that will be in and not, is there going to be a big party outside as much as what's happening inside?
3: Yeah. I mean, it don't, it's not quite the Westgate uh, style there where you can just kind of roll, roll over after being out on the patio. But it, I mean, it is right in the middle of campus. So, I mean, it is surrounded by a parkade or two, but there's definitely spots uh, that the locals will be attending. I'm sure uh, going to try to get a little bit of the flavor this afternoon, um, and see from there. But I would imagine that it would be a lot of fun, and I, I think it was important for them to have that. You know, the twenty-five dollars section for ASU students. Um, Javier Gutierrez talked about the importance of kind of making it accessible to students and alumni, uh, given that it's the you know the largest public campus uh, in the United States. So I would imagine it's going to be a fun. Uh, If you're a student and you were able to secure a a seat in the end zone, I think you're going to be fired up for a fun, fun experience. And that's what it's all about. I mean, at the end of the day, it's hockey. It's supposed to be fun. So like, let's see how much fun it is tonight.
1: Kenny, this was a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, Fill people in on your Instagram uh, because I know you're going to be firing out a few more pics and there's already some good stuff on there. What uh, is it? At Weaves World, just like Twitter?
2: I think it's at rolled 9 maybe. I'd to give it the old double check. rolled 9 I have
1: it up here. All right, Weber. have a great time tonight. Uh, We'll look forward to a post-game edition of K&R from Tempe tonight after the game. And uh, fingers crossed we might get a better performance from the visitors than we saw last night, but with the same result. Thanks for doing this, pal.
3: My pleasure. And uh, for those folks who haven't seen and are curious about the arena, check out my uh, column at sports.ca with my uh, uh, reflections and uh, some insights from players as well. Thanks for having me. Have an awesome weekend.
1: You got it. Thanks so much. There it is. Our guy, Ken Weeb, Kenny and Rennie tonight post-game from Tempe. And as I said, the game (laughs) was a funny one last night as well. uh, If you haven't checked that out uh, and maybe you want some extra viewing heading into tonight's game. Make sure to check out and uh, give the boys a sub over on their channel. Of course, Bomber Game tonight, BC Lions 730. Before the game, folks, you know where to go. It is the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone. We just mentioned that with Eddie Tate, uh, the place to be before the game. $5 beers, three fifty hot dogs and pop. My guy DJ Finesse Spinning saw him last night watching the game. Great to see Brad. Um, So get out there early, make the most of it. And my God, we've got gorgeous late October weather for the Halloween weekend. So make the most of it tonight at the game, get out there early at the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone. Of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. PA's got two Winnipeg locations, Paddock Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Our good friends at Culligan, a family-owned business for over 65 years, taking care of the water needs for Manitobans for, uh, well, into the seventh decade. Culligan has it all for your home, your office, or the cottage. Involve including water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, and drinking water systems. And the Culligan Man delivers as well with citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Uh, whether for the home or business, Culligan has you covered. Pop down and see him, 1200 Sgt. Avenue, 694-5180, and online at drinkculligan.com. Congratulations to our winners, by the way, from yesterday. I got quite a few DMs and uh, threw out some Jim Beam social passes for the game tonight to uh, people that were with us yesterday. Thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the game tonight. And those Jim Beam social passes will get get people into the game and they'll get a chance to try the new Canadian club and ginger ale. If you didn't try it this summer, still available in six packs at your local beer store. And it's been a very popular drink of Bomber fans out at IG Field. Of course, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, available throughout IG Field as well along with all of the great Beam Suntory products. And don't forget, next week, the 45-year-old final edition of the Canadian Club Chronicles series drops here in Manitoba. There's only 80 bottles in the entire province. It's going to be officially released at the Spirits of Distinction Awards next week from Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries. And if you are a whiskey connoisseur, Make sure to be looking out for it. Just eighty bottles beginning next week at Manitoba liquor marts. Oh, great time last night at BP, by the way. And this is going to be another great night to get up to Boston Pizza. Of course, last night we had Monday night or Thursday night football, Bucks and Ravens. And every time you watch the National Football League at Boston Pizza, you'll have a chance to win their second grand prize of a incredible trip for two weekend in Vegas, including airfare hotel tickets to see the Raiders and 49ers and the night before on new year's Eve, golden Knights and St. Louis blues, not to mention pizza flights, $5 beer specials, always a great spot to watch the national football league. And, No better place to watch the Winnipeg Jets as well. Lots of great prizes being given in. You can spin the prize wheel. Many of the BPs do the pick-a-player promo. And um, you can also be entered to win a VIP experience for four at an upcoming Winnipeg Jets game. Watch the NFL and the Winnipeg Jets and enter to win at your local Boston Pizza, Winnipeg Selkirk, Mordensteinback, and Portage La Prairie. All right, Hacksaw's going to join us a little bit later. We will also have... Marbles. So uh, make sure to stick around at the end of the program. If you're new around here, all you need to know is wait till the end of the program. You'll have a chance to win one of our new hoodies. Just got them in for those of you that have been waiting for one. And you've got to be subscribed, though. So make sure you hit that red subscribe button and uh, give us a thumbs up for the episode while we are there. Um, I do want to get to just a little bit more of the uh, audio from last night, though. We've talked a lot about last night's game looking ahead to tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, but Nate Schmidt and Scott Arneil uh spoke after the game last night and um let's start off with Nate Schmidt who um almost sheepishly described the uh larceny of two points last night here is the Jets defenseman who uh we all played Mamo number five last night after he scored his first of the year up after the first
4: minutes of the game well, there's really no other way to go but up after the first 10 minutes of the game. Uh, Thank God uh, we have a world-class goaltender. Otherwise, I think that game's a lot different after the first period scores. So um, sometimes it takes a, your goaltender to make a couple saves to wake up the guys and be ready to go. But it's a quick team. It's, it's a lot different LA Kings team than you're used to seeing. And uh, they got a lot of guys that can motor and make plays. And I think uh, <clears throat> we learn very quickly after the first 10 minutes that you can't get into that kind of game with them.
1: This is our second clip from uh, from Nate Schmidt, who, um, you know, talked about well, essentially coming out of it with two points in uh, the greasiest of road wins last night in LA. Here's 88.
4: You about it being a, or some of the guys talked about it being a blueprint the other game against St. Louis for what you need to be successful. This one's a lot different, but sometimes being right. opportunistic. Grimy, works yeah, right. grimy yeah. wins, right? Yeah. grimy, greasy road wins. Uh, a little extra oil on top of the beat they saw today, you know, and it was just. Sometimes you need it. I think uh, our guys really responded well though. We're, I, no one's going to be happy about how we started and that's got to be something that we address. But I like the way that we finish off the game and get a power play goal, a handed goal. Um, a lot of different ways, you know, guys get on the board. Um, you know, Axel getting that goal in the last five minutes, that's awesome. You guys see how him fired up the guys were on the ice for him and especially a guy who drew the penalty earlier in the, um, in the third period. So, uh, it was, it was awesome to see that happen, especially, you know, um, with all the game had gone to that point and giving up the goal and getting up the lead.
1: All right. So there is Nate Schmidt of the, uh, Winnipeg Jets on last night's game. We get a little bit of us, coach, Scott or Neil, before we get to the NFL, um, Arnie filling in for Rick bonus, who is staying here in Winnipeg, recovering from COVID. We still wish, uh, bones well and hope to see him on the bench next week for the Jets. Arnie, though, had a front row seat for that one. And uh, here's what the acting head coach had to say about uh, the Jets' win.
5: Uh, an ugly win. Um, it certainly wasn't a Picasso. It was, you know, I got off to a real tough start in that first period, taking four consecutive penalties and really got ourselves on our on, the, on our heels. And it shortened our bench real quickly. And a lot of guys never got out, got themselves in the rhythm. And But at the end of the day, uh, you know, Hallie made some huge stops for us, kept us in that game. And... You know, we found a way to kind of second period to grind back and, you know, get back, get that thing tied up.
1: All right, Scott Arneal, and they uh, did get that tied up. I I would have loved to have been inside the dressing room and heard what the coaching staff had to say to the fellas after the first. Uh, the assembled media did ask Scott Arneal what he said to his troops after a pretty ugly first period, but one that they were only
5: down one goal after 20 the big message after the first was that that penalty kill was gigantic and we actually had a chance to tie it up with another shorthanded goal um you know just to get that back to three two not to break and let them get the fourth one was real big um you know it was just a case of uh, we were really turning pucks over in our in our end of the rink and we had talked since the start of the year about. You know, not feeding offenses by hoping plays into the middle coming out of our end, and that's exactly what we did. We, we got five feet from the line and turned it over. And in the second and third period, we got away. We got back to doing the right things. And uh, you know, LA had a lot of pressure. They were coming hard, and so we just tried to as much as possible gain zones, whether going from our D zone to the neutral zone into the O zone, and that's what we did. And you know, we got our fought fought back and got into the game.
1: All right, there's a little bit of a Scott's coach, Scott Arneal from uh, the Jets last night after their win in LA. Um, just before we bring in Hacksaw, I imagine the coaching staff, if they had had a day off for a little bit more time, would have probably enjoyed to kick back with an ice cold 1919 from Little Brown Jug a little bit more than going through that game tape. Ernie uh, said that game tape's going straight in the garbage. But hey, with the weekend here, one thing that's certainly the opposite of that is. Uh, The Little Brown Jug, Uh, still beautiful outside and it will be on the weekend. Might be a great opportunity to go down and check out their patio at William Avenue or pop in at the brewery and tap room and try all the delicious Little Brown Jug offerings. You can pick it up to go there as well and a great selection of merchandise. And if you can't make it down, Check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca, and uh, you can order it for citywide delivery. And of course, little brown jug beers available at all your fine beer stores throughout the city, and uh, fine bars and restaurants will probably have nineteen nineteen on tap. Check it out, our favorite local beer. Our friends at Little Brown Jug. All right, well, another loss for Tom Brady last night, and a big weekend coming up with some teams on the brink right now. Let's. Uh, Get ready for the weekend in the National Football League before we drop the marbles with the one and only Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, who joins us with maybe his best outfit yet on the program. I don't mind that hoodie you're rocking today, Hacksaw.
6: My hoodie is better than your hoodie. How are you doing, Hustler? <laughs> I am,
1: uh, I'm doing well. I, did you see any of that hockey game last night uh, that the Jets I'll escaped with that two
6: points? I thought they were going to carry Connor out on a stretcher after the first period. Boy, was he under siege. I was going back and forth between other things and writing a column. And I punched it back up at the end. I said, geez, the jets rallied. How is that possible? Because the Kings came flying out of the gate, but uh, Hey, you got to play 60 minutes and jets did congrats to them. Boy. You're feeling good about your Jets. You're feeling really good about your Blue Bombers.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Big game tonight to finish off the regular season for the Bombers. Hopefully everyone just stays healthy and we've got that West final here. One thing just quickly on the Kings before we move over to uh, the National Football League, Lee, Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period was on with us. And, you know, he said part of the thing with that four and four start heading into the uh, to the game last night was the fact that the goaltending had been really iffy and Cal Peterson had really struggled Quick had the big win uh, over Tampa earlier in this week, Uh, but Quick really had a tough time. And this is a team that was traditionally pretty stout defensively, had strong goaltending, but didn't score goals very well. It's a pretty different Kings team that we saw last night.
6: Well, they're better offensively, and obviously they got Drew Doughty anchoring the back end. But, you know, I would say in the last 18 months, Andrew, they've just really been iffy as to what they should do in goal, whether it should be Jonathan Quick, who's got a lot of miles on him, got a big contractor should it be Peterson and for every time you think it's going to be Peterson it's time to step forward he comes up with a clinker performance and they go back to Jonathan quick so I'm not going to say they're in desperate straits because there are some NFL NHL teams that just got horrible goaltending but they just have not been able to settle on the right guy or the one guy
1: well I have a feeling they'll go back to Peterson after last night's just a hunch for uh, for the next game um Lee let's get to the NFL another loss for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady on the field having problems off the field, reportedly Giselle filed for uh, divorce today. Um, what do you make of Brady's personal situation right now? And what that is doing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have been amongst the most disappointing teams in the, Lear, uh, the, uh, the league compared to um, expectations this season?
6: Well, I don't, in all honesty, from a media standpoint, I don't think Brady's divorce is really worth the time to cover. You know if this were involved with with the law if there had been domestic abuse if there had been some type of child support issue then i think we'd be covering it but you know just a world that goes through divorces Uh, a lot of money involved in this divorce obviously based on tom brady and prenups and all that i don't think it's really impacting him on the field i think what's what's hurting tampa bay a great deal is not so much the quarterback you know he's not turning it over a lot he's throwing it a ton because they don't have any running game. Leonard Fournette, who had a great year last year on a bounce-back season, he's not the same running back, and they let Ronnie Jones, their speed-back, go in free agency. He's with Kansas City. So I just don't think that Brady's got a lot of help, and you'll have to have to remind me whether or not he's played any game this year with all of his receivers on the field at the same time because I don't think he has. Mm-hmm. Mike Evans has had problems. Uh, Cam Brate's had two concussions. That's a critical uh, piece of their offense is throwing to tight ends and there's no gronk and on top of that they've lost two of their offensive linemen uh, lost lost in preseason was probably their best offensive guard ali Marpat, uh, the kid out of harvard who's had a really good career so i just don't think brady's got an awful lot of help there and he's he's winging it he's trying to do as much as he can i'm a little stunned at how really poor their defense is and now shaq barrett's gone uh, with a ruptured achilles tendon in that game last night so Hotball's got his hands full because now people are starting to question, is this the right guy to be the coach or is this just a player personnel thing? It's just kind of a tidal wave of ventures that just really overwhelmed them.
1: You know, it's almost unbelievable, but this Carolina-Atlanta game is a battle now for first place. <laughs> Neither of the teams yeah. are even in Don't 500 right now. Um, Lee, you know, last week when we spoke, we just got news of the big Christian McCaffrey trade in the National Football League. Kadarius Toney, interesting pickup by the Chiefs for a third and a sixth rounder for the former first rounder for the Giants. What are you hearing about the trade market? Do you expect it to be active? And what teams are you paying close attention heading into next Tuesday?
6: Oslo, there have been seven trades in the last 14 days in the NFL. And that is not the way the National Football League historically has done their business. But... I think, Andrew, what's going on in football is e- equal to what's happened in Major League Baseball. And you've got all these new hybrid general manager guys that come out of Harvard that just have a different way of doing business. And these guys are now becoming the CEOs and the general managers of NFL teams. And their whole theory is, I didn't select you, Andrew. I'm not responsible if you're a busted first-round draft pick. I didn't give you the contract. I don't care. I don't think you can fit, and I'm going to trade you away. In addition, teams are trading away their capital. I've never seen so many high draft picks moved in these type of transactions. So we've had seven trades made in the last week, led by the McCaffrey blockbuster deal. Uh, there could be as many as five or six more before the November 1st deadline. It's a very early deadline. Uh, what the NFL has done is they're they're trying to prevent teams from tanking. They will not allow what, what's happening in baseball, what's happening in the NBA, even to a degree what's happening in the NHL, where teams just blow everybody out and don't put a good product on on the ice or on the floor or on the field the rest of the season. That's why the trade deadline is so early, November 1, in the National Football League. Uh, Keep an eye on Denver. I mean, this is a miserable season. Rumors everywhere that they're shopping one of their top young wide receivers, Jerry Judy, the kid out of Alabama. I find it hard to believe that they would trade Brad Chubb, who I just think is an absolute stud defensive end. And as rotten as Denver's offense has been, Denver... Right now, is one of the top defenses in the National Football League, but those rumors are out there. Uh, Washington shopping their top cornerback who's fallen from grace, William Jackson. Josh Allen and Jacksonville is being shopped. Defensive end, he's on the final year of his contract. Uh, the Jets have got a problem with the second-round draft pick. Elijah Moore, who wants to play, can't get on the field right now and has asked to be traded. In Cleveland, uh, Kareem Hunt wants to play more, wants to play somewhere and doesn't want to be uh, Nick Chubb's backup. In Cleveland. So those are the hot names to keep an eye on. As I say, seven trades already in the last 14 days. I'd have as many as five more before we get to the November one deadline.
1: You know, Lee, uh, you know, you uh, made a great point about Tom Brady uh, and the fact that there's a lot of other factors that are sort of conspiring for uh, the, where the Bucks are right now in the standings. I'm not sure who's in a bigger mess right now. Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers but I can tell you it's bizarre to see either of those guys who came in with so much pomp and circumstance with the paychecks that they're getting to be struggling along with their teams, the way the Packers and Broncos are going into this weekend.
6: Tom Brady has thrown nine touchdown passes this season, nine touchdown passes in almost a half a season. That's, that's really hard to believe, but that's not so much on him. Aaron Rodgers, you know, they've dropped three in a row in green Bay and he's barking that the kid wide receivers keep making mistakes. But you know, lost in the conversation because everybody immediately reacts to when Aaron Rodgers says something. He doesn't have Devontae Adams there as his star wide receiver because Green Bay had a salary cap problem. Rodgers wanted the kind of money that Rodgers got, 30 to 40 million a year, but somebody had to leave to make that contract doable, and that was Devontae Adams, who also wanted money at the same time. So while Rodgers is whining about the kid receivers not playing really well or busting routes or just not not practicing hard understand he took that money and it cost him one of his friends and one of his receivers Devonte adams so keep that in mind when you talk about the conversation denver situation they've given a vote of confidence to the coach nathaniel hackett hasn't proven anything to me except that he's in over his head wilson seems to be a shell of himself but some of that is is what i think is weird play calling especially in the red zone Russell Wilson's thrown five touchdown passes in six games. Is it on him because he's just physically ailing and broken down? Or is it on, on them because they haven't supplied anything around him? His running top running back is gone. He lost his left tackle with a broken leg a week ago. Every one of the kid wide receivers, he got three wide receivers, were all hurt. They traded one of his tight ends away in the Seattle deal to get Russell Wilson. So I think this is a real organizational mess. And here's the thing to keep in mind. The people that hired him are no longer there. Uh, The ownership group hired Nathaniel Hackett. They're the ones that engineered the trade for Russell Wilson. Then they sold the club to the Walmart family. I don't know that Rob Walton has any long-term commitment, even though there's something on paper about Nathaniel Hackett, but, boy, this looks like a guy that's overmatched. This looks like a bad match with that quarterback coming in the front door. And I'm like you. I'm just stunned that he is a shell uh, of himself. And, you know, there's another really ugly story going on in Indianapolis, and I think this is a, this is a bad optic for the Indianapolis Colts and their impulsive owner, Jim Irsay. Uh, Matt Ryan came in, and I think you and I and everybody I talked to around the league thought Matt Ryan's going to do a great job in Indianapolis. He came in and promptly everybody got hurt. Lost his tackle, who retired, lost the, the left tackle that replaced Anthony Costenzo, got hurt, had three linemen hurt, lost both of his running backs, lost both of his top wide receivers, and Matt Ryan's taken a pounding, and now he's got a shoulder injury, and he is benched. And now they've benched him for the entire season. And a lot of people don't know the background of this, so I'll just make it real quick. He's got a contract this year, and there's an injury guarantee on that contract that if he gets hurt any time during the course of the season and misses the rest of the season, next year's contract is guaranteed at $17 million. And Jim Irsay, pretty impulsive, went to Frank Reich and said, we're sitting him. He's playing poorly. We're sitting him because if he gets hurt, we're on the hook for 17 million next season, and I don't want that. Now, I think that's a bad optic for other free agents to look at the way Ursay is treating a really quality quarterback and a good guy uh, like Matt Ryan. But you know, Ryan's got—I'm uh, trying to think what the statistic is. Uh, maybe 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 11 fumbles, 24 sacks. I mean, he's just gotten reamed. Of there's nothing around him, and now they're benched him, and they're not going to play him. I, it's a sad way to treat a real vested veteran quarterback. He's been a star and a pretty good leader.
1: Hey Lee, before we go, let's look at some of the big games uh, on the weekend. And I'm always here for the Niners Rams matchups. It seems like in the regular season, San Francisco's completely owned LA and something about Kyle Shanahan going against Sean McVay is always goes Shanahan's way, except for a very big asterisk, the NFC championship game last year. Um, That being said, I'm looking for a big bounce back game from the Niners. I think they got exposed, but Kansas City, the way they were running hot last week, Lee, they would have done that to just about anyone with just how efficient and that game plan that Andy Reid had. Um, What what do we make of the Rams right now? Because unless there's a new left tackle rolling in to uh, take care of that, maybe another weapon or two that Matt Stafford can reliably count on. I'm not sure that this thing is turning around right now. What are your thoughts on both of these teams going into a big game for both?
6: Rams have six offensive linemen been hurt, and Andrew Whitworth retired. Rams have no running game. Rams have no deep passing game because they don't have Odell Beckham Jr., and they they traded away Robert Woods, and they invested all this money, $15 million a year to Aaron Robinson, uh, who came from the Chicago Bears, and they don't target him at all. Cooper Cup is the only guy they got catching balls. Uh, the Rams are in real disarray on offense. San Francisco, weather forecast out here will be cloudy, cool, and you're going to get 100% dose of Christian McCaffrey running the football. And <laughs> San Francisco it plays mean street defense. And, I mean, I, I think there's going to be a beatdown, and I think the Rams are going to be the one that's going to be at the bottom of the pile by the time, the time this game is over. So, yeah, San Francisco makes a statement. Now, the three and four, I think they're prepared now with the arrival of McCaffrey and now that he's been ingrained in their playbook that they're going to make a run here this entire second half of the season. And the Rams, to me, are the ones that are in real trouble. Because, Andrew, they got no draft picks they can use for trade bait, and they got no cap space because they paid all their stars enormous amounts of money. And I think back to their general manager, Les Sneed, who wore a T-shirt to the <laughs> draft that said, f-, f those draft picks. Well, you probably wish you had some of those f and draft picks now. I, I think the Rams era, it, it, it's era over. Not gone. They don't look good, and they look like they're headed in the wrong direction. They got an old quarterback who's gotten beaten up a lot.
1: Well, hey, when you spend, uh, you know, in a tighter season, borrowing from tomorrow to pay for today, um, which is basically what the Rams have been doing, you know, those bills are going to come due at a certain point, and it seems like that's happening right now with the Rams. Um, Vikings coming off the bye against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you buying or selling Minnesota as uh, one of the top teams in the NFC with this five and one startly?
6: You know, there's nothing wrong with your eyesight, and there's nothing wrong with your TV. Don't adjust anything. But yeah, the bleep of New York Giants are six and one and the New York Jets are five and two. You gotta be kidding me. What what's wrong with that picture? Uh, Kevin O'Connell's not had injuries in Minnesota. Defense is playing a lot better than I thought the defense would. Obviously, they've taken to this this pass package of of cousins to the three wide receivers, and they're still running Dalvin Cook even though they said they were going to be a pass-first mentality. So I, I think the Minnesota Vikings are the real deal. That's a pretty good football team right now. They're at 5-1. and one. Arizona has not won in the Twin Cities, Hustler. Uh, I think the last 11 trips, it dates back about 25 years. and So they're going into a little bit of cold weather there, and I don't know which is the real Cardinal team. I mean, they played well last week, but Kyler Murray is up and down, and if we're starting to drop a list of guys on the on the danger list as a head coach, if they don't have a good finish to the season, I think Cliff Kingsbury could be in trouble in Arizona. And they don't, they to me look like it's much too much reliance on that quarterback, and they're just not not a complete team. And you know the other other really interesting game is is just big time football, Green Bay Buffalo. Holy cow! Uh, Packers season is it about to go down the drain? They're going into Buffalo. Buffalo's got the number one offense in the league, and Buffalo's got the number one bleep in defense in the league. You can't stop them and you can't score against them. Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers with the deficient wide receiver core in a running game has kind of disappeared. I don't know. Is this the beginning of the, of the the end of the Green Bay Packers? As we've known them in the Mat LaFleur Aaron Rodgers era. That's gonna be a very, very tough challenge for the Pack going to the Niagara frontier.
1: Yeah, I don't know if many cheese are going to want to watch that one on Sunday night because I mean, you mentioned the Giants and Jets. Well, those are two of the teams that have beat the Packers over the course of these last three weeks. Then they follow that up with a regular with a loss to the Washington Commanders, and now enter the Bills coming off a bye in the madhouse that is that stadium in Upstate New York. I would York. say
6: one thing about the Giants; they're going to Seattle, and I watched the Seahawks trample the Chargers last Sunday. Oh. And Pete Carroll somehow, some way has got the seahawks playing really good football and speaking of adjusting your tv set is that really geno smith at quarterback holy cow and they're running the hell out of the ball uh giants daniel jones and saquon barkley have had a really good first half of the season but this will be a litmus test but seattle's really got that thing cranked up
1: hey lee before we go and i know people can read more about this at lee but uh Let's get inside your massive brain. Who's winning the World Series? What's going to happen when uh, the Phillies and Astros get going?
6: Fascinating team. Uh, I think the only words I can use to describe home run derby. You know, the, both these ballparks are launching pads. They do hit a lot of home runs at Minute Maid Park, and they do hit a lot of home runs at Citizens Bank Ballpark in Philadelphia. Even though each team's got two really good frontline starters, Each lineup is loaded with the guys. And the the thing I like to say about the Astros and the Phillies, any of those guys can hurt you any time, any at-bat, any inning. You know, their team batting averages have really been poor. But what makes up for the difference is they keep knocking the ball out of the park. So here's the question for you. By the time we get to next Friday, we do the NFL Notebook. Will you, A, be sick of the train whistle that runs back and forth at Minute Maid Park when they hit home runs in Houston – Or B, will you be sick of Elton John's Philadelphia Freedom and the Rocky theme when the Phillies hit home runs? Because I do think there's going to be some bombs in the series starting tonight.
1: Lee, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, Loving the pods, loving the YouTube, and of course, the website, the place to go each and every day. The best 15 minutes we'll have. Have a great weekend. Thanks for doing this.
6: And I got bonus points for my gear. Thank you. Andrew, (laughs) have a great sports weekend. Talk to you again, pal.
1: Good stuff. There it is. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. They uh, always are one of our favorites popping in, getting us ready for a big weekend in the NFL. And of course, the World Series, which gets underway tonight. All right, let's get Remo in here. We've got some work to be done. We've got a marble race to drop, folks. If you are new around here and you haven't um, seen how we finish off a week on Winnipeg Sports Talk, don't go anywhere. This is going to be fun, and it'll be your chance to win one of our Winnipeg Sports Talk and Canadian Club hoodies got a few more in couple sizes that we were missing so we should be ready to go for whoever wins tonight and um but you are gonna need to be subscribed to the channel to be eligible to win so make sure you hit that red subscribe button give us a thumbs up or just about a 200 it's nice for a Friday we do appreciate that helps us spread the channel um Rima what's going on I mean we certainly do want to get to the cool bet lines but why don't we uh why don't we get things opened up for registration? so we can get a little closer to dropping the marbles while we take care of business. Let me do that. I'll log in and open
2: it up. Don't jump the gun, everyone. And I'll I'll do that. And then, as we did get a, a listener, Alyssa just DM'd us on Twitter. says, huge fan. Thanks for putting on a great show. She listens every day. And What's up, Alyssa? Threw us a pair of tickets to the Bomber game tonight, so someone who finishes up there in the marbles, we can uh, give them first dibs and it's yeah. kind of always always a bit of a scramble at the end of the show grabbing the the winner for that so.
1: Yeah, but anyways, second well, place, second place if you're able to go, we got a pair of bomber tickets for you and um and and, and you know what? I guess what we'll do is stick around to the end if you do want to go to the bomber game because if uh, our second and third place people aren't able to go, which is often the case, they may have plans already. Um you know, we can just send me a DM and we'll make sure we get the tickets yeah. into somebody's hands. Hey. To make sure they can be there for the game tonight. Yeah, speaking of
2: other tickets, uh, there's a contest too on our on our website winnesportsstalk.com/slash contest. And if you want to get uh, get in on some moose tickets for the weekend, that's going to end uh, after the Jets game tonight. So you have until then to end, So check that yeah. out too.
1: Four tickets, four great tickets for the game on Sunday afternoon, two p.m. So yes, go to the website Winnipeg Sports yeah. Talk uh dot com chick click on contest and uh and we are good uh so are we open okay it is now but people would a bunch of people jumped the gun yeah they didn't realize hey if you already if you already put in exclamation mark marbles you're gonna need to do it again because uh it wasn't live it is live now we see everyone in there Kenny's water bottle there's Les Nicole Schickster leslie dan jets fan you know what to do folks so uh right now got a couple minutes all you need to do to get if you if you're new trust us this is fun just put in exclamation mark marbles it's free uh and you're gonna want to be a part of the uh the marble festival that finishes things up every bit there you go remus great youtubing Mm -hmm. hit that red subscribe button right below uh there all right while you all enter for the marble race Let's check out the odds at Cool Bet tonight. Um, Bombers and Lions. Bombers were four-point favorites. It's now three and a half. Starters really starting on both sides. How long these players are in is the big question. And, I mean, this really goes for all the games. Swag Kelly starting for the Argos. They're three-point favorites against the Alouettes. These two teams are going to meet again next week. uh, Or, actually, I shouldn't say next week. Potentially the following week if the Alouettes can get through the East Semi. Ty Cats in Ottawa, Red Blacks, Ottawa, very slight one-point home dog. And the Saskatchewan Roughriders five-point underdogs in Calgary to take on the Stamps. No Kadeem Carey for the Stamps in that game. NHL lines tonight. Let's get right to it. Jets, Jets are favored despite playing back-to-back games, despite the pomp and circumstance of the Coyotes' home opener. Jets minus 152. Coyotes plus 128. We did not get our Kyle Connor goal prop last night. He could not be more due. Plus 129. Yesterday was plus 150. The dam is going to break, though, very, very soon. And I do think when Kyle Connor scores, it might come in bunches. KFC six to one for two goals tonight and plus 2350 for a hat trick. Although, we all have a little bit. Of, we all have memories of the Carl Vimelka show. So, um, assuming that he's in tonight for the uh, for the yotes, uh, maybe we won't be going for multi-goal props for anybody on the Winnipeg Jets. But Jets minus one fifty-two on the road. Other games tonight: Vegas Golden Knights minus two seventy home favorites against the struggling Ducks. Canes minus two hundred favorites at home against the Islanders. The Bruins. With Brad Marchand back in the lineup, minus one forty five favorites he, on the road against the Blue Jackets. He's not playing tonight, but he played yesterday. They said he wasn't going to
2: play back to back.
1: Oh, okay. We actually, okay. have a couple. A
2: couple. I think um, Krejci might be out tonight too. He got high-sticked in the face yesterday.
1: Good update so, for Michael Remus. Uh, Marchand
2: Boston, was gr- was great though. If you had if you had him in fantasy,
1: Boston's had a great great start and doing it without some of those players. They are certainly the real deal over there in the East. Uh, The Avalanche, this is interesting. Avalanche, only a minus 125 road favorite in Jersey against the Devils. Would have thought that number would be uh, significantly more, Uh, but it's not. Stanley Cup champs, minus 125 on the road. Pittsburgh Penguins, minus 185 favorites in Vancouver against the Canucks. Remo, who finally got a win last night in Seattle. The streak is over, and uh, up, up. And away for the Vancouver Canucks after that ugly start. We actually had a a trade to announce during that happened during the
2: show of Vancouver acquiring Ethan Bear, defenseman from Carolina, who couldn't Ooh. seem to get into the lineup. Um, so they got him. I so they made a deal yesterday, getting Jack Stednica from Boston, and but they also I don't know I haven't heard updates on J T. Miller. He blocked a shot at the end of the game and had to be helped off the ice. So they won, but at what cost? Hustler losing JT Mellon. so it was just getting worse what for t- Vancouver. What, they're getting what went back
1: What went back for uh, for Bear? What did they have to give
2: up? It wasn't a lot. Um, let me pull it up right. Um, Jim Rutherford though, he's busy. He knows they are trying to win now. Hustler, the most like clearly team that needs a rebuild. Um, and they got Ethan Bear and forward Lane Peterson for a 2023 fifth round pick. The Hurricanes are also retaining 18%, that's 400,000 of Bears cap hits. So this is a pretty good deal for for Vancouver. And I see some people some bear fans saying, you know, it's funny they wouldn't play him, but when he gets into the lineup, they use him on the power play and the penalty kill. Seems strange how how guy, you know, you can't get in, but when you get in, you're playing in all situations. But he was he's solid a uh, you know, solid def- depth defenseman there no. for Vancouver.
1: Yeah, I'm a big, big fan of Ethan Bear. I mean, I remember last year at the arena, how many people from uh, his First Nation were here supporting him in the Carolina Hurricanes colors, and I imagine he will be a very popular member of the Vancouver Canucks, who uh, are on a one-game winning streak right now. We'll see whether they can continue it tonight. One final game. Uh, I guess this is a game tomorrow. Rangers, plus 100, and the Dallas Stars, minus eight. All right, listen. Um, last call for marbles, everybody. If you haven't already, or you just popped in, exclamation mark marbles. We'll give you ten seconds or so, and then Remus will close up the marbles. So we've got to think of who uh, who's getting in tonight. Uh, who who else are we putting in today from uh, from this week on WST? Well, Dan Robertson is going in. Dan, absolutely.
2: And uh, people want the CTV uh, decision desk to yeah, get a marble.
1: CTV decision but desk, but to give
2: give the marble to Bartley Kivas
1: if <laughs> if they win. <laughs> All right, done deal, done deal. We'll if they win, we'll declare Bart Kivas the winner, and then get Bart Kivas a uh, WST hoodie. How, How about Carson
2: Lambos, who came on yesterday? The Ice have their home op- home opener. What a sports! weekend here with jets oh yeah and the jets game is is seven here on sunday you were right it's five yeah. five lo, uh, local time there my time zones were off time zones? i got geez, mixed come up Come
1: on remus I,
2: you know i i think i was watching the vegas uh, lawless in order the earlier this weekend maybe they said five and i didn't register you know, gary you took lawless in order to the intermissions of the vegas broadcast there so i was tuned in for who are they i forget who they were playing but i was watching that game
1: all right. Um, okay, that's it for marbles, everybody.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'll close and it we'll up. we'll Let's... add in yes, Dan Carson Lambos and the CTV Decision well, Desk. Um, again, if you missed last week's marble race, a all time historic one. Rick Bonus got the uh, got the win, and it was looking up for Bones. Won the marble race back on the bench on Saturday for the Jets against the Leafs. Obviously, the game didn't go well, and then. Of course, Rick uh, still dealing with COVID, so fingers crossed. Bones is feeling much better, and we hope to see him on the bench coming up when the Jets return home after this road trip to take on the Montreal Canadiens coming up, I believe, next Thursday. Uh, and of course, a couple days of actual practice, which doesn't happen very often during the regular season. So we'll have fingers crossed that uh, that Bones will be able to go. Um, Larry Eloy, the CTV decision desk has made the call at noon that Jeff Kabilis won the marble race today. Jeez. <laughs> um, all right, Remo, where are we going to
2: go today? Wait, any other, any other marbles? Are we only doing, we should do more. Am I doing Ed and Hacksaw and Ken? Yeah, are yeah, they getting yeah, yeah. Ed,
1: Ed, Hacksaw and Ken. And, um, and you know what? I think let's, uh, let's give the jacket winners from last night as well. Connor Hellebuck certainly deserves a marble. He deserves all the marbles, to be perfectly honest with you, and uh, and I think Axel f Axel needs it. You know, winning goal. First goal is the Winnipeg Jet. We'll give Axel uh, Axel a marble as well.
2: All right, I got them. I got them in.
1: Yes, beautiful, beautiful. All right, geez, over four hundred people in here right now. Everyone knows what's up with the marbles. Make sure you get yeah. that thumbs up, everyone. And to be eligible for. The wonderful prizes here on WST. You got to make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Should we do
2: one more for the mullet arena visitors dressing room?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mullet visitors room. Absolutely.
2: Okay. (laughs) And some people want Duke the dog. Who was. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Should we get one to Duke? For For sure. For sure. Best best puck truck we've
1: had in a long time. Duke the dog from the, the Toba Center. And, of course, Adam Lowry, very involved with the Toba, Toba Center. That was a great donation from, uh, I believe, True North to uh, the Toba Center. And, um, listen, Duke is great, but they're doing some amazing work in this community and is very, very much needed. Oh, what about the new mayor? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's got to go in. Yeah, he's got to go. Yeah. Mayor-elect mayor SG.
2: I'll also throw one in for Rick Forney. Who announces tenure at the perfect, end of the manager perfect. of the gold eyes. Now we're done. We we put too many in. Too okay, many. okay.
1: Well, it's not too many. We're fine. But let's get this going. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Well, we got to get the po- yeah. We're still okay for timing. I don't <laughs> know if you, you saw this. Us. I was looking at the lines for today. Uh, centering Patrick A and Johnny Gaudreau tonight. Jack Rossovic getting bumped up against Ooh, the Bruins.
1: Probably twenty eight hundred on draft DraftKings. Uh, he might, might be cheap. Uh, might,
2: might be the, a good uh, good deal. They're playing Boston back on back to back. Boston's missing some guys, but they've been so hot. David Pasternak, man, he's gonna get a massive contract. They're, I think they work it out eventually, but the way he's
1: playing, He'll he's get gonna paid. get
2: big dollars, big dollar.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I remember it was pretty contentious when he originally signed that deal. I think he's making six point six seven a year. Um, he's been one of the top players in the league. He's gonna get ten mil, I would imagine, and that might. One of the, the brilliant things about the the Bruins is just the way they were able to sign Bergeron and Marchand and Pasternak and all those players to very, very team-friendly deals and sort of keep the gang, the gang together. It's um, going to get a lot more difficult as things go forward, as eventually players like Pasternak are going to want to get paid their proper market rate. Um, all right, do we want to get hit the music first? or? Um... Yeah, give me one sec. I'm just
2: loading all the names and we a lot of names with all the we had like 201 real names oh nice entries pretty high and then i added in like a bunch more
1: it's only a couple times we've actually got to over 200 for the marble race so So, uh we're bringing them out today heading into a big big weekend bomber game tonight jets at coyotes late night this is a great night as we mentioned to get to a boston pizza or a hook up with your friends or i'm thinking about going to the game but hopefully, maybe the backups are out in the second period because I kind of do want to see the start of the Jets game and everything that goes yeah. around. Uh, historic the, game the, tonight. Yeah, The historic first game at Mullet Arena.
2: Really historic. So I'm, yes. Now, will everyone be wearing those mullets? <laughs> I do want to see. It so. <laughs> should be good. All and right, I, let
1: us know when we're ready for Tristan.
2: Yeah, I did tweet out the programming note. Bombers and Lions, TSN 1 and 4. Jets, Coyotes on TSN 3. So... It's not gonna be a situation like last week, cut right away from the end of the game.
1: <laughs> no, 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 it won't be.
2: You're not gonna be missing the final <laughs> field goal or anything if you need uh you know if you need a to cover. Anyways, I'll shut up. Here we go. Let's do it. It's-
1: All right, there we go. The marbles theme from the one and only Tristan Rivers music. Um, Good luck to everyone today. This is a massive marble race. We got over 200 folks from the chat in, and then we've added a few of our, our favorites from the week overall. First place, we've got a hot off the press WST, Canadian Club hoodie. Huge thanks to James and the gang at Canadian Club for their continued support of WST. There'll be some CC going down at the game tonight at IG Field. And second place, if you're able to go, we've got a pair of tickets for tonight's game. Uh, I might actually also have an extra pair of of Jim Beam social passes for the game as well. Um, So anyway, stay tuned to the end. We'll find out whether second place can make the game. If not, some of you want, you can maybe hit me up on Twitter, and uh, if we do have an extra pair, we'll get them out to you. Uh, Where are we going today, Remo? Where am I going? I don't know. I'm looking at what about multi lane madness? I don't think we've ever done that one before. It's a bit of a shorter one. Okay. Well, let's maybe go a bit longer one. Those are always fun. What about fear of heights or the lucky few? The lucky few sounds like there's a ton of eliminations. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't know.
2: Oh, Bardot says trick or treat in honor of Halloween. Ooh good call a good call i think that is one from uh i think we might have done
1: that like last year at this time
2: i think so i think it's hard to see that one though isn't that one like in the dark that was the only thing that i'm not crazy about oh that's right that's right I, that I, was I, a little bit i don't want to do that cold I, I you couldn't see
1: what is uh what about
2: castle siege yeah okay i was thinking castle siege i'll do Castle. it's pretty long but that's fine
1: oh that's fine it's the three three average time of three minutes we're we're fine with that All right, so 213 marbles in it. Um, If this is your first time on the marble race, you're here in the right spot every Friday, finishing up the week in WST. We have a lot of fun with it. So everyone that has entered has a marble. You will see your name on top of it, well, if you're in the camera shot, and at the end, we'll uh, scroll through them all. uh, For any of you that have head-to-head wagers or potentially employees to let out of work, if you beat said friend, you guys know who I'm talking about. All right, great week. Big win last night. Hopefully, the Jets can make it three in a row this evening against the Arizona Coyotes. And, of course, Bombers added as well. But we can't get to the big slate of sports on the weekend until we drop the marbles. So let's do it right now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, here we go. Who's coming out first? Axel with a nice uh, with a nice start. There's Ben Lawrence at the beginning. Brad Tuck, 204. I see Nicole J as well. No one really, uh, no one really getting out to that big lead. That was uh, that was a key for uh, Rick Bonus last week in his first ever <laughs> yeah. appearance and his first win. Um, just what a great start that he had. But uh, it seems like all two hundred marbles are uh, very, very much in the mix right now, Reem. Yeah, they're all in the pack. There's some fireballs coming from the
2: sky. I'm not sure if that's going to factor into this race here, but that's something to keep an eye on. SK
1: and Ben Lawrence looking pretty good right out of the gate. Mark A and Derek Honer with a slight, slight lead over the rest of the competition, but it is very, very close. Hey, there's Kibbins. What's up, Ryan? So SK now, popular chatter, very committed chatter in in, uh, WST land, although Mark A has just taken uh, the lead. Oh, there was a, uh, okay, there was the first fireball that uh, dented it. Oh, Mark A. just about got taken up by it. Troll Poet Laureate now in the mix. And Brad, Brad Tuck 204 as well. Here we go. These uh, these fireballs are coming much closer to the Troll Poet Laureate, who is in first place right now. And second place, we've got Brent Colodi. And Nicole J right now in second. Miller time is in the mix. Oh, there's Bravo Bry in the top four right now. Bry is up to third as we continue. But the Troll Poet Laureate, man, the Troll Poet Laureate is very close to getting whacked by some of these fireballs, but has not done it so far. Looks like we're getting close to the end. Is the Troll Poet Laureate going to do it? Or will he get bounced by one of these massive fireballs?
6: He looks like he's
1: been slowed down. He is stuck right now. Can Brent Colodi come in and close the gap (laughs) on the Troll Poet Laureate? It could very well happen. Oh. There's another spot, but it looks like Brent. No. Jared at the end. Jared Standy Margoski. What an absolutely incredible finish to the marble race. Troll Poet Laureate did not even get into the top 10. That was a wild, wild finish. To it all. Jared Standil Markovsky, first ever victory for JSM. All right, Jared, congratulations. Epic, epic finish. <laughs> that- epic finish. You need to um, send us an email, WinnipegSportsTalk at gmail.com. Let me know what size you are. I'll hit you back with an email and we can arrange for a pickup. And Brent Colodi, Brent, nicely, nicely done. Um, can you go to the game tonight? Do you want to go to the game? If you can, basically just uh, throw that up in chat right now, Brent, if uh, if you're there. Let us know whether you, uh, you want the... Um... Oh, there's Brent right there. Brent, you want to go to the game tonight? Because we do have a pair of tickets. Thanks again to Alyssa for sending them over to us. Uh, and again, I did give out some seats to the people that entered yesterday um but if you want you can fire me an email or fire me a dm on twitter folks uh, if you're still thinking about going to the game i might have an extra pair or two of the jim beam social passes as well so uh brent the tickets are yours if you want to go i just see brent say what just let us know in chat whether you can uh, can do it it's and a bomber jared, game jared winning for the sports rabbis yes okay jero's part of the sports rabbis that wrote at the trivia nicely done all time one i see brett hold on one second uh so brett you know just fire us an email uh if you can't can't give them to the next okay krugs you are second krugs let us know if you want to go to the game send us an email winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com and uh, anyone else if you are still thinking about maybe going, I believe I've got an extra pair of Jim Beam social passes. So anyone that wants to do that, fire me a DM at Hustlerama on Twitter, and uh, I'll grab um, somebody that enters in the next little bit and fire you some tickets to uh, to get out to the game tonight. <laughs> Thanks again to Alyssa as well for <laughs> dropping those tickets off today. <laughs> What's Tr- up, Reem?
2: Troll poet Laurie just writes a bunch of angry emojis. <laughs> I'll be honest, that... that- Track sucked, and I'll never do it again. It was just a straightaway. However, maybe the funniest finish we've ever seen. With
1: <laughs> it looked troll, like it was over. Troll it looked pull. like it was over. That he, was the um, that was like the Ernest Biner fumbling on the two yard line in the uh, that AFC Championship game against the Broncos <laughs> way back when. <laughs> he got to the right before the finish line
2: and stalled, and I think went backwards. And then it was um, Jared was third. He passed out um, or no Brent. Looked like Brent was going to take it, but out of nowhere, Jared came in with the win. So, entertaining finish. Uh, the whole race was, was pretty Shout mad. Shout out to
1: the sports rabbis. Well, hey, we got we got a thrilling and exciting finish, and that's what everyone comes for here on the Marble Race. Gang, thanks so much for being with us. That was a heck of a lot of fun. Jared, send us that email. And again, folks, if you uh, want a last-minute pair of Jim Beam social passes, I've got an extra pair. Uh, hit me up on tw- on Insta. Sorry, on Twitter. Hustle around. I just slide into the DMs. I'll pick one of the uh, one of the people to text in or send me a message, and I'll fire you over. By the way, include your email in that so uh, I know where to send the tickets yeah. to. Quite hey. a week, <laughs> and A big night and a huge weekend coming up. Ice home opener, two moose games, bombers and jets going at it tonight, and then a Sunday night finale with the jets in, in uh, um, Vegas.
2: Yeah. Uh, sorry. CTV projected that uh Pult Laureate won that race. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then
2: sorry, someone got me in chat. Sorry. S- sorry.
3: Oh <laughs> too, my god. Too We're easy. gonna get
1: so much mileage out of that. Like that joke yeah. is never ever going to uh, someone, ever get it get old. Someone came in
2: chat and said the jokes are getting old. I want I I'm like you must work at, at CT C T V.
1: I did. You know what? It must've been good for ratings though, to be honest. Like I made a point of tuning in last night to the news, which I don't, because I wanted to see if they'd address it. Yeah. They had poor Renee Rogers step up and she did an apology right off the top of the five o'clock hour. And then when Mary Lee was back in at six, she, uh, she did the same. So, uh, Anyways, I feel for those people because that wasn't like their decision. That's something that's coming up above, probably not even in Winnipeg and it's making a lot of people look bad. So uh, what can you do? You just move forward. But uh, it has been a a hot topic of humor, cheap shots, and low-lying fruit here for uh, those of us on social media and in the chat. The other joke was that TSN had to
2: cut to Amazing Race after the first (laughs) period last night and just declared the king's, Kings the winner. Sorry, it's it's too too easy, but yeah, the, I'll go back to your I'm looking ambling forward. for We got uh, Jets in Vegas. Uh, I'll watch that Sunday. You got the great historic game tonight, which is fun. Uh, history.
1: History in the history, desert
2: tonight. The doubleheader, at the, the ice home opener tomorrow. I hear people in chat excited. I was talking to some friends. Want to get in on some ice action. Connor Bedard coming in here next month. So, Yeah, there are some definitely some stuff here to get to. Hey,
1: everyone's talking about Connor Bedard, folks. You got to get out to the ice to see Zach Benson. Zach Benson's going to be a top five pick in this draft, and um, you know, I think that there, if Zach Benson had been av- available in last year's draft, he would have been in the mix for some of the top picks. This draft coming up this year is as stacked as we've seen in a long, long time, and A lot of talk about Connor Bedard, but it's far from just a one or two superstar draft. And the kid playing for Winnipeg Ice right now, Zach Benson, is going to be right near the top of the list. Um, Thanks for everything for a great week. Thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. We couldn't do it without you. Don't forget that Princess Auto tailgate party before the game tonight, folks. Pop on by there. Maybe I will see you there. 7.30 Bombers, 9.30 Jets tonight. As Remus mentioned, Moose, 2 p.m. tomorrow, 2 p.m. on Sunday. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com. Click on Contest if you want to win the tickets to the Moose game on Sunday afternoon. And the Ice tomorrow home opener. Ice and Wheaties going at it tonight in Brandon as well. Um, Thanks to everyone. Great shows. Enjoy this game tonight. We'll be back on Monday to break down... The Coyotes game, Golden Knights game, set up CFL playoffs, big weekend in the National Football League, World Series as well. Great time to be a sports fan right here in Winnipeg. Have an awesome weekend, gang. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next week right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk.
6: Oh, my God. Oh!
1: Shut it down. Let's go home! Thanks
6: for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily